the blast from our past network. Hey everybody out there, what's happening? This is Thomas G. Waits, Windows from The Thing, also The Fox from The Warriors, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Don't worry, you can stay up late. It's okay, your parents won't yell at you. Enjoy. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Vice Squad, starring Season Hubley, Gary Swanson, and Wings Hauser. Welcome to another Podcasting After Dark, and I can guarantee you, by the end of this episode, you, the listener, will have been baptized in the river of the neon slime. Neon slime, yeah! (laughs) Bang, bang, shoot em up! Oh, oh okay. my God! <laughs> we're just we're just jumping right in, folks. We, uh, it's me, it's me, it's uh, Tiny T, uh, Sweet Baby Z, whatever you want to call me. I like to rhyme, but I don't necessarily have the time. Uh, joining me as always is my bodaciously beautiful co-host. Corey Stevenson. What's up, Sleazy C? What's Sleazy up? Sleazy C has never been more appropriate, by I the way. I know. This is, you would think this would be uh, uh, one of my movies, uh, but no, no, this this is your pick. And wow, it is something, something that I loved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and well, before, let, oh, well, I was yeah. going to say, just before we jump into it, I just want to say that I've never even fucking heard of this movie before you gave it. <laughs> It to me and like to the point where I, I flipped the cover over I was like yep don't even recognize the cover and I'll say this I was like okay I don't know anything so I'm not even going to read the back I'm not even going to check out IMDB and um you know I kind of went into the movie the movie thinking that Wingshauser was the main cop so I didn't realize and I also thought that uh, that season uh season Hubble Hubbley was um Hubley, Hubley yeah. was like an undercover police like just going off the the cover that's all I went off of was the cover so I had imagine my surprise watching this film <laughs> well for those of you that don't know what we're going to be talking about today uh really quick we're just we're going to be talking about the 1982 Sleaze Fest, Vice Squad, and uh, for those of you that just kind of jumped in and said, "What are they guys? What are these guys talking about?" And I, I got to tell you, I'm as equally excited to talk about this movie as Corey is. <laughs> um, I had very little uh, lead in to this film, a little more than Corey did, and I'll get to that in a second. But we are reviewing quite possibly one of the sleaziest movies for me however in the context scheme of things it everything in this movie makes sense Mm -hmm. none of it feels exploitative to the point of like oh that's preposterous it's more like no this is the gritty streets of hollywood we're depicting in this movie and we're just gonna get down and dirty with it and um (laughs) i will push back and say the one thing (laughs) that's maybe not the most realistic is the (laughs) the old asian guy kung fuing two cops uh (laughs) 
Bro, you don't know how hard, how hardcore someone can throw down in Chinatown. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we'll get to that, too. Yo, we will get to that. Don't oh, there's you so worry. much to get to. There's so, there's so much I want to talk about, and I can't wait to talk about. <laughs> We're chomping. We're, well, I will say, okay, so um, I had talked about this movie prior to our good buddy, Dustin, Dustin Rubin of $2 Late Fee, and he's like, watch the trailer. He read a little, the synopsis. He goes, this is... For a guy as positive as you are, Zach, this is way like over the edge. And I said, I said, I don't know, in this weird way, these movies are so cathartic for me yeah. because it is so against type. Yeah. It is so, this is like the twisted fantasy world that I'm like, someone's living in this. And it just, it, it, it intrigues me. Eight millimeter intrigued mm-hmm. me when that came out. Joel Schumacher's very underrated film, by the way. Uh, the, these movies that kind of prey upon the lower dredges of society and kind of dig deep. And it fits in with my take this broken wings, <laughs> Hauser, uh, series that I am kind of, this is our second Wings Hauser movie. <laughs> With the first uh, one being it, Mutant. This is one hell of a follow-up. Yeah, the, the, chronologically, if you're going in, in order of episodes, this would be the second Wings one. But, um, you know, I've got a whole Wings-a-thon going on with uh, with my love of Wings Hauser. And we reviewed Mutant. That was the last one we did of Wings' filmography. This one is the complete 180 character-wise. Um, this is one of his first movies he ever did yeah. in 1982. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is, is early on in his career. Now, granted, you know, Mutant was like 84, so it wasn't that much later. But yeah, this is, I believe, one of his first theatrical works that he did. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, on it, quite possibly, honestly, one of his best roles he's ever had. And shoot, Martin Scorsese thought it was. Martin Scorsese, in fact... I think I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he implied that this should have been nominated for a best picture when it came out in 82. Uh, I didn't run down the films that came out in 82, but that's one reason, one of the many reasons I love Martin Scorsese because he really appreciates um, cinema. It doesn't have to have a Spielberg slapped on it and it doesn't have to come from a big studio to be a, you know, artistic piece of filmmaking and this i I, dare i say by the end of this all our listeners who haven't seen this movie and go watch it they might go i'm gonna agree with martin scorsese on this one i and i hope that they go out and watch it because this movie me too is is crazy it is bonkers crazy but you know like like it's also one of the first, not the first, but one of the first like movies to try to show what the the Vice Squad is is trying to do in a realistic manner uh, in Los Angeles. And I love the fact now that we have one, we have the Exterminator, which was I believe 1981. Um, yeah. And so we saw, so we see New York in the early 80s, and now because of this, we get to see Hollywood in 1981, 82, uh, you know, depending on when they film it, you know. But it's really cool now to see the two coastal cities how they looked in the early 80s <laughs> yeah and uh spoiler 
not very good, guys. No, no, no. It's, it's, and, and this is also years before Savage Streets as well. So honestly, I kind of almost want to watch this and then Savage Streets back to back to see yeah. like how much the streets of Los Angeles haven't, you know, have improved because they did. They had improved over over time and everything. Um, but real quick, go back going back to Wings Hauser. You know, this was like you said one of his first movies. I can see why he got work after this because he is so intense he's so intimidating um one of our pals on on instagram donna the the dead she's like because i posted about this today and she was like oh my god wings hauser's ramrod scared the shit out of me as a teen who had no business (laughs) watching this on late night cable and yeah pretty much with this that's what this show's about but yeah we completely (laughs) agree and yeah Yeah. i can imagine if i saw this as a teenager wings hauser would scare the the shit out of me in this movie yeah i think um i didn't see this movie when i was a kid i saw it when i was a little, probably a teenager as well and i and it used to the video box used to scare the crap out of me wings is so intense and um if you didn't know the uh cory and i were both kind of riffing off the opening song to this movie which wings hauser sings and when you hear him <laughs> singing it's like this madman. it's like blackie lawless from wasp uh, meets like Ted Nugent yeah. kind of wailing like and a little like, so a, like a hardcore rockabilly ish sort of yeah it's it's dude it's, it's good. good it's great I, I didn't yeah. I love like it. I didn't know honestly I didn't even know it was Wings Hauser singing until my second viewing of this movie but I was fucking rocking out to neon slime at the beginning <laughs> and the end guys and gals out there Please go check out Neon Slime. Uh, Zach actually mentioned the the trailer for Vice City, uh, Vice Squad earlier, um, and there's no dialogue in it. So I'm not going to insert it in between like we normally do. So I'm actually going to insert a clip from the song because I think you guys will enjoy that much, much more than the trailer. The trailer music, which is all you would get for about a minute and a half. Yeah, I mean, this uh, it's kind of a bummer because this this is prime for like a in the city that doesn't give up. Well, he, she gave in. Yeah, and something like that. Because the know? the Vice Squad um, trailer, it's like it's all music, but then it does have that at the end. It's like Vice Squad, you know, like it coming. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, that this this trailer needed that voice, you know. But <laughs> but unfortunately, it's not there. So, but. That is going to give us a good reason to put in Neon Slime. And, yeah. oh, man, you guys need to hear it. Like, you can't listen to this episode and not know a little bit of Neon Slime while you're listening to it. It's such a great song that they play in the beginning of the movie and at the end. But fun fact, and I didn't know this up until, you know, 72 hours ago when I first started breaking this movie down. Um Wingshauser actually was a singer-songwriter kind of musician back in the day. And he had he released one album. Uh, called Live and Write, <laughs> but it's it's spelled like it's spelled like it would be on a license plate. Yeah, L I V I N R Y T E. Live and Write, one word. <laughs> Wings Live and Write. Dude, I'm not gonna and, lie to you. The fact that he has a, a band and like he's a singer as well makes me love Wings Hauser more. Oh God, I mean this guy. And, and, and behind the scenes fact, I've been trying to get him on the show for a podcasting after dark interview after dark. It's pretty much next to impossible at this point. 
but it's not. There's still a chance. There's always as Jim a chance. Carrey would say in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> um, and and but you know what? The guy is so prolific. He's so freaking talented, and he can act in so many different roles. This is an extreme left turn from Mutant, and future episodes will see him in other interesting roles and i'm i'm digging that you're doing that dude like i thought you were just gonna throw like four i mean i I assumed you were gonna curate them and they were gonna be in a specific order but i'm liking that you're really saying okay here's one here's him in something else and you know i hope because i don't know what the next two movies are but i kind of have a feeling like you just said they'll be drastically different from this so i'm enjoying that the potential of seeing all fats all facets of wings hauser yeah, and you will. Cool. And you will. But but for tonight's episode, you're going to see probably one of this is this to me is Harvey Keitel in Bad Lieutenant. This to me is Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. This is um Al Pacino in Cruising. <laughs> where where these guys are going down a dark deep rabbit hole and they ain't coming out. And if they do, they're changed by this. So, like I said, I watched this movie wait, as a wait, teenager. You mean like, uh, uh, oh shit, it wasn't Dante Hicks. It was his brother, um, Gil. It was Gil Hicks and, and Mallrats talking about his kiss. Afterwards, you're changed. <laughs> I couldn't, when you <laughs> yes. were saying that about Al Pacino cruising and everything, that's the first thing I, once they get out of this, they're changed, just like kissing Gil. Yeah, and if y'all don't know cruising, Al Pacino's cruising, which William Friedkin directed, yeah. Um, go, go, go check it out. I'm not going to say any more. I'll actually, I will say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make one noise. That's all I'll say. Um, anyways. Yeah. A little familiarity with me on this one. I watched it as a teenager. Uh, but I, I probably watched it with Jamal one night and, and forgot about it soon after, or maybe we only watched half of it. I don't know. I it's 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 part it's a little blurry. So at when this got re-released on Shout Factory um a, about a year or two yeah, ago, yeah. I jumped on I jumped on it initially. I bought I bought a copy and never watched it. And then as we're doing the podcast, I'm like, "Oh, I got to got to get this." And then for some reason I couldn't find it online for a minute, and I don't know if they were just out of stock on Amazon, but I got worried like they they discontinued it as Shout Factory loves to do. Yeah. Hey, look, we're gonna make this Blu-ray, but now it's in a tin. Yeah. Ooh, wow, <laughs> it's so different. And didn't we not talk about really. that on on what? Uh, not watch list, but a wrap up one time. How we don't like the tin case, cases. Uh, give me a normal yeah. Blu-ray case, guys. I don't like the tins. I think we shit on it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and and honestly, you know, I'm. I think it's still available. So if it is, you definitely should pick it up because you know how Shout Factory is. Suddenly, it's off the shelves and like bye bye. No, no one wants this anymore. No, we all need wings in our life. And the, so, and the picture uh, quality yeah. for this is fantastic. Uh, this Beautiful. movie, it, it do you know, Blu-ray is so kind to this film because it looks absolutely amazing. It's worth it, like I said earlier, to just see shots of like 1982, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Los Angeles, you know. And uh, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the the bonus features, but I mean, it has an hour-long interview with the director. So if you like this movie, and judging by the the people's responses um, to our post today on Instagram, it seems like it has some fans out there. I do imagine that those fans probably already own the shop factory version but if you don't i highly recommend it and as someone who's only seen this movie twice and that was in the past two days um i also very much highly recommend it because it is bonkers in every great way possible 
Well, as I was breaking it down, I, I wanted to text you because I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, Oh man, the scene is so intense. Oh, Oh shit. This scene is so hilarious. Oh my God. I can't believe that. Just, and I'm like wanting to text Corey so bad. We're like, no, 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 no. Just wait. Just wait. This is literally the kid who knows there's presence behind the closet door. And he's sitting there watching the closet, waiting for it to open magically. And, and you are my magic closet. <laughs> I mean, dude, <laughs> dude, it is an emotional roller coaster. And it, a lot of it has to do with season. You know, she acts oh. her fucking ass off in this movie i mean seriously dude she is turning in one of the most intense like facial performances i've ever even seen and it is unbelievable she is amazing in this movie like almost to the point where she outclasses this movie yeah so really quick apparently she was going through a divorce with uh her husband at the time kurt russell yeah. which i didn't know and she was with john carpenter at one point too i think when they were making uh escape from new york they might have been together. Uh, I, I may be off about that, and I'll be corrected, I'm sure, on Instagram, but whatever. Um, but at one point, they were together as well. And so I think she was drawing from that emotion. Uh, that's one account that I heard yeah. or read, and that makes total sense. She is amazing. You're right. Actually, every single actor yeah. in this film plays their part perfectly. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, is this a B movie? Only on budget. Yeah. But quality wise, it's A plus in my opinion. It is a A plus Cinesleaze. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's it's yes. it's still not like Schindler's list, but it's A plus <laughs> sleaze. But you know, you know, the thing is too, and then that's one of the again, another reason why I chose this film or choose movies like this. Um, because I think they get forgotten so easily mm-hmm. because they get laughed at. Oh, that's that movie. That's a great GIF. And there are a few great GIFs that came out of this film I, that I use quite often with Corey <laughs> when we text each other. But um, but besides being a great GIF, there, there's, so, there's some real genuine heart in this film yeah. that clearly they put a lot of time and effort into it. And I think it's – I love revisiting this stuff because it reminds people like, yeah, this got forgotten on a shelf – because, you know, E.T. came out and everybody was flipping their lid on that. And and just like The Thing, you know, The Thing got a resurgence. I would love to see Vice City get a resurgence. And this the would be thing. a perfect <laughs> this would be a perfect sandwich of Vice Squad and Boogie Nights. Yeah. Put these two movies together. And that is Los Angeles in the 70s and 80s right there. I mean, and throw, throw I some say, tough turf in there, too, baby. I mean, come on. Like, we could have a whole <laughs> L.A. marathon. And, and dare I say, Hollywood kind of looks a little like Vice Squad nowadays too I, I feel, so it's pretty much like gone full circle uh <laughs> that's hilarious yeah. um it- <laughs> before we get into the casting crew uh let's let's address the fact that there's a a stinger at the beginning of the movie and i'll just read it to you like an opening title title card it says the this motion picture you are about to see has been produced with the cooperation of law enforcement authorities through a work of fic Though a work of fiction, it is a composite of events that have actually taken place on the streets of Hollywood. So, and, and it's interesting because this movie has so many 
weird moments that that kind of yeah. like we're like where did that come from and we'll, you know obviously we'll talk about every single one of them but i kind of almost got the feeling knowing that that you know the writer and the director they just kind of like poured through just a bunch of stories and, and just took out like oh i like this part oh this was interesting and then just created these composites you know and, and it feels realistic and, and gritty because they were drawing on actual real events you know i'm assuming even the most bonkers things that you see in here probably i would actually i would assume that the most bonkers ones are probably the most uh true to life because that's kind of like how life is you know life is stranger than fiction yeah i think this is like you know a show like law and order svu which is super popular that that's this right. before that where, where they take a headline and they're like this happened to somebody we're gonna make an episode about it yep. and here they just take a bunch of headlines and sort of draw into it and it gives it this it gives it a weird tonal like it, it gives it this explosion of tones but honestly that could just be a night of being a prostitute you know i mean it's insane yeah. it's absolutely insane and you know to to you know you're saying this movie also kind of became obscure and i think it's also because so many cop movies came out after this that were yeah. like vice squad type of cops but i yeah. i think this movie should get the credit for launching that whole sort of genre oh totally yeah it 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 is probably very influential on movies that followed it where people are like, oh, no one's going to remember that movie. I'll just throw this line in there. Mm -hmm. Quite a few. Even the, the kind of banter back and forth between the, 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 the supporting cops in this film where you're thinking, oh, this is like the, the beginnings of buddy cop movies, yeah. you know, of the 80s. Yeah. Um, clearly, I think they were probably influenced by this. But really quick, you, you said that you have – you had no connection to this movie up until seeing it just the other day. Z okay. Zero, and and knowing that I've done, you know I've had that happen before, and at yeah. least sometimes I've I've known I've recognized the cover, but here if I'm in a situation like that, I'm gonna say I'm like, well, you know what, I've made it this far without knowing anything about it. Let me just pop the movie in, and yeah, just yep. going from the Shout Factory cover, I thought that uh, season was um, an undercover prostitute. I thought that uh, <laughs> that Wingshauser was a cop, although I was. I wasn't sure why he looked so maniacal on the cover, but I was like, well, it's called Vice Squad, so he's probably a member of the Vice Squad. On the cover of the three people, there is only one actual member of the Vice Squad on the cover. Yeah, and, and that guy, well, I'll get to him in just a second. He's badass, oh, he's in my awesome. opinion. He's awesome. And he should have gone on to a much bigger career. Unfortunately, he didn't. Yeah. Really. Yeah, why uh, did But we'll he? talk about that. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, maybe we'll have to have him on the show. That would be he's, <laughs> he's awesome. And, and the person we're talking about is Wal uh, Walsh, Detective Walsh. Yes. Detective Walsh. So really quick, uh, yeah, Wingshauser plays the lead villain, the the pimp daddy himself, Ramrod. Um, first of all, maybe the greatest pimp name, greatest <laughs> name in general, but greatest pimp name for sure, greatest pimp name ever, Ramrod. Yeah. Um, and Wings, you know, you know Wings, you know where he's from. We talked about it before. Season Hubley plays Princess. She is a mother turned Lady of the Night. Or a lady of the night turned mother. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. We don't know how that child was born. Um, she, well, you know, it's funny. She was in a movie called Hardcore, which starred George C. Scott, mm -hmm. and that came out in 79. Um, that's about George C. Scott. It, pl it plays a dad who finds out his daughter's gotten in the porn in the industry. So that is another good one to seek out if you love these kind of dark glimpses of life because again that's another thing that i love about these movies this is a reality guys snuff films happen 
just disgusting, gross stuff happens. I'm fascinated by that. The same way someone's fascinated by learning about serial killers doesn't mean they're going to... Yeah. Diallo loves watching true crime stuff. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's a true crime guy himself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm fascinated by what makes these people do the thing, these things they do. So hardcore is definitely one worth checking out. But um, most of our fans will remember her from being in Escape from New York. She had a small but pivotal role, uh, you know, uttering the line, gee, Snake, I thought you'd be taller, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, she got aced out pretty quickly in that movie. But, but yeah, she was a uh, phenomenal actress, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, seriously. She is insanely good. Actually, Dare I say Oscar worthy? Yes, I, I mean, mean you know, but that all that stuff's political. So it's it's dude, and there's some parts later where she's trying, like when when Wings is like not looking at her, she's making these because she's so upset. I'll call it out yep. later, but then she has oh, yeah, to yep. recompose herself. Man, her yep. her face acting that she's doing in this is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it really is. Um, the other main lead because there's like three main stories. There's the pimp story. Yeah. There's the prostitute story, and then there's the cop story. And the cop, the the main cop, Detective Tom Walsh, is played, or Vice Squad Captain Tom Walsh, is played by Gary Swanson. Um, this was Gary Swanson's first movie he made. And, man, what a performance for a first film. Uh, you know, you go down his resume, he's got small roles here and there. The Bone Collector, um, which was, you know, one of his more recent ones. He was in the Carlitos Way sequel, uh I think it's the, the second or third Carlitos way, who knows, but it's such a shame because the guy, he would go really great in a Italian horror film. He looks like one of those guys. He's very, and I don't mean this in a bad way, very generic white guy. Yeah. Uh, very nondescript, but, but he, he, he's so, he's so good at playing such a believable cop, a cop, a hardened cop. Anyways, he's great in this, and that's Gary Swanson, a.k.a. Tom Walsh. Yeah, I really liked him a lot in this. Yeah, so good. And, and so, as you're talking, I'm going through his IMDb, and it's like, yeah, it's like nothing really. I mean, you know, a little character on Quantum Leap here and a, a voice role there, and it's like, yeah, it's nice that he's working, but boy, was he strong in this. You just, you must wonder, like, was it his agent? What, what happened, you know? Well, you know, I interviewed a guy... Um, I, I don't mean to plug, but I interviewed I interviewed Kurt McKinney from the star of uh, No Retreat, No Surrender for $2 Late Fee. And by the time this airs, that interview will have aired on our show. And he had, a, you know, he was the, the lead actor and thought, okay, aren't you going to take off and go in the right direction? And through a few missteps and like making the wrong choices of movies to choose to do. And next thing you know, he's he's working at a Mazda dealership for a while. And you're like, whoa, wait. And there's this false misconception that, you know, once you make it in Hollywood, you're done. But you're constantly hustling. That's the artist lifestyle. And what is it like? You're only as good as your last movie, essentially. So it doesn't matter if you have a bunch of wins. If you have a big bomb, yeah, now you're poison. It's like, what? Like, yeah, Hollywood is a fickle mistress. And it's so not fair. So not fair that way. But, um, yeah, he's great. The, the the rest of the cast is 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 some known some unknown. I'm gonna I'm not I'm gonna hold back on one actor because I want to see if you remember who it was or towards the third act of this movie. Okay. Um, okay. But Pepe oh, Serna. Oh I, oh, I know who it is. Yeah, yes, know. I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, this is a fun fact. He, he, he moved he moved up from chauffeur to uh, managing the Sedgwick. <laughs> oh. Are we talking about well, him? Yeah. 
No, I'm talking. I'm talking about that guy. But uh, but uh, but uh, okay, okay, but okay. I'm talking about somebody right. else. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. There's a few. Cool. There's a couple. Okay, uh, Pepe Serna plays uh, Detective Mendez, uh, Pete Mendez. Pepe Serna, he's been in everything, dude. Buckaroo Banzai to our listeners w- will be where they mostly recognize him. But he was in The Rookie, which is a really great uh, Clint Eastwood movie, cop movie. Scarface, The Jerk. Uh, I think he was in American Me uh, with Edward James Almost. He's been in a little bit of everything. Great, great actor. He's a dude that I would love to have on our show because I'm sure he's got a million great stories to tell. And I loved him in you know all of like you know 15 minutes that he's in this movie. He's one of the Choose side characters, though. but he is like a memorable one. He's very, very enjoyable. Uh, real quick, Zach, what is your thoughts on Buckaroo Banzai? Do you like that movie or not? I honestly, I think it's a little overrated. <laughs> I just, I honestly, I do because and 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 I've watched it uh, more than I probably watched it five times total. Tried every time, and I'm like, I can do this. Why am I tapping out three quarters of the way or halfway through? Yeah, I, that's how, how I was growing up with it. And then I watched it on weed, and I was like, oh, now this makes sense. And and Big Bootay is hilarious. Well, <laughs> I haven't tried that, I and <laughs> I and and you know, just like I had a whole epiphany with the last Starfighter when I watched it with Bodie. Mm. So possibly watching Last Buckaroo Banzai with uh, with Bodie when he gets a little bit older, I may have a different perspective. Yeah. I'm open to it. Yeah. I'm open to it. Sure. I'm never going to shoot it down. Um, Beverly Todd plays Louise Williams. She's another detective on the force. Beverly Todd. Most people will recognize her from the movie Lean on Me. Um, but I lovingly, so lovingly know her from this, one of my favorite Richard Pryor movies, Moving. Yeah, dude, I love Moving, bro. (laughs) Dude, of course you do. Moving, for those that don't know, Moving was, was done soon, not soon after, but not that long after he, uh, Richard Pryor set himself on fire for smoking crack. (laughs) And so he had like, unfortunately, like a bunch of scars and, and he was kind of trying to make a comeback, you know, after just being totally wiped out and um and so he in moving is hilarious and 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 there's a great moment in the movie when uh they're moving from new jersey to boise idaho and they've got these thug movers coming over (laughs) and one of them's played by king kong bundy the wrestler i remember that at the end and and, uh and they're looking they're like supposed to be packing their stuff up and and one of the movers goes hey these your wife's panties (laughs) richard brown's like will you <laughs> Anyways, Richard Pryor and Moving, and Beverly Todd plays his wife, and she's so good I, in that. I actually saw Moving in the theater when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah, I saw it with my dad. Oh, I was, I was awesome. ten years old when I saw Moving, and I'm just you know just casually looking through the Moving uh, IMDb list as you're talking about it, and I see Julius Carey in it. Oh man! Oh yeah. Uh, Lord Bowler and uh, Show Nuff. So I, I've re- yep. I have refallen in love with Julius Carey after our uh, TV Obscura episode when we talked about the adventures of Briscoe County Junior, and and on that episode I discovered that Julius Carey was. Also, show enough that I had no idea about. Yeah, dude. I mean, talk about that's what happens when you you play a memorable character. That's that's all people yeah. really remember you yeah. by, which is very normal. Um, that movie also features uh, Alan Oppenheimer, the voice of Skeletor. Oh yeah, Alan. Oh yeah. He, he's the guy who's like 
where they go to a house and they, and he goes, yeah, you like those stairs? Well, those are coming with me. <laughs> and then they, they show up at the house and all the things he was jokingly saying he was going to take with him, he took. And he goes, no, I, I specifically told you and I have it on tape that I was going to take all those things. And, and, and Richard Brown's like, and the joke, the running joke is he doesn't know how to flip people off. So he always gives them like gives the, them the wrong the finger. Pointer yep, finger. Yep. I remember that, dude. I remember that. Oh, it's so good. I remember so good. when the dog, they thought the dog would be dead and they put the little glass under its nose as he was breathing, dude. I, dog, I dude, honestly, alive, I probably haven't seen that movie since. I mean, I saw it in the theater, then I probably rented it once in like 1990. I haven't seen it since, but I love Oh, you got to watch Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey before he was huge. Yeah. Uh, small role. <laughs> Uh, oh, such great cast. Anyways, yeah, go watch that. Back to back to Vice Squad. Um, <laughs> yeah, not Richard okay. Pryor's moving. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's there's there's. I'm not going to mention any of the other actors because they're kind of they, they haven't really done a whole lot. I will. I'm going to point out one specific one uh, in just a moment. But throughout this movie, you may refer to me. You you may hear me refer to other cops as oh. That's a uh, tracksuit cop. Yeah, tra- oh, tracksuit with mustache, tracksuit mustache cop. Yeah, yeah I know. Tra- yeah, yeah tracksuit mustache, mustache, tracksuit, you know. <laughs> and guys and gals, it is exactly what you think. He is in a red and white tracksuit. He is blonde with a blonde mustache. And we do not know his name, but he's on the Vice Squad. And he works, uh, his partner, he's partnered up with uh, Luis, the Beverly Todd. Um, but yeah, he's just tracksuit guy. That's all I took note of him tracksuit as. Guy. Tracksuit guy, come on. Come on, tracksuit guy. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, there's a couple other kind of little cameos throughout this of actors that probably hadn't done anything up until that point. And, but from the, for, but we will point out what we know them from That's right. as well. There's one more, I'm just going to mention. Um, she plays uh, princess's best friend, Ginger. And Ginger is played by Nina Blackwood. Mm. And those of you that don't know who Nina Blackwood is, if you watched MTV back in the day, she was one of the most famous VJs on MTV. Oh, now yeah. her voice sounds like she's graveled, gargled with gravel, but Nina Blackwood from MTV VJ days so plays I, Ginger. So I didn't get MTV until I think like the late 80s maybe. So whenever people talk about the early MTV, I missed the very first group of VJs, like I, the guy with the long hair and stuff like that. Like I missed all of oh, them. Alan, well, there's Alan Hunter and yeah. there's, yeah. But uh, I got like, I, I think I got like the, the sophomore wave. Like I, I tuned in when the second wave of, of VJs was kind of starting to pop up. It's funny. Cause in many ways, like you're, you're one year younger than me, but I maybe because I had a brother that's five years older, I was watching yeah. all this stuff ahead of time. Yeah, I probably would have been doing the same thing you did, but I was like forced to watch this stuff. Like, oh, I'm watching MTV and it's in, in, it, at its inception. So oftentimes people are like, how old are you, dude? Because a lot of my information is a little more dated than that. Yeah, and and <laughs> I noticed that like with you and also listening to the Blast from Our Past, you know, Adam and John are brothers, and then more so, even more so like on Talking Back because Tim and Dean have such an age disparity there too. I, I'm we're the only podcast on our network that we're not brothers. So and I don't have any siblings. You guys have heard me say I have a sister. She's she's actually my my I mean she's my sister. She's 100 percent my sister, but she's, she's technically my sister. She's my brother. She's, she's my sister. She's, my mother. She's technically 
basically my stepsister. Um, and she actually also lived with my dad and my stepmom. So I only hung out with her uh, a couple months out of the entire year. So we didn't really, so I kind of always say that I'm, I'm an only child growing up and I see hearing Zach, you know, you say what Eric showed you and stuff. I see like, I, I didn't get all that. I didn't get the, the same thing with the older brother thing like you did. And, uh, so yeah, I think I, I think I didn't find things until a little bit later, whereas you had Eric sort of, sort of shoving it down your throat, you know, type sometimes, you know, for better or worse, you know, no, not always. <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, it depends on save that for therapy. After I know, dark. right. Uh, <laughs> I thought that's what podcast after dark was, buddy. Oh, it is. But there are some stories <laughs> that are so dark. I can't even say them. I can't even tell them on on this podcast. <laughs> what, what you guys out there didn't get was the look on Zach's face when he when he said that. Just I could see the horror like wash over his face. And he had like the thousand yard stare for like one nanosecond. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, the only no, I think if Corey doesn't know these stories, may, quite possibly my wife and uh and one other person <laughs> That's might it. know this story. <laughs> and that would be my brother. No. Um yeah, but but yeah, that that rounds out the cast of a Vice Squad and it's directed by Gary Sherman, who um you know, he he did Poltergeist 3. He was a producer of the Poltergeist TV show, uh, which actually was really good. I liked that TV show. What was that on Sci-Fi uh, or something? I I think it was syndicated. It was huh. syndicated. It's it's worth checking talk, out. Talk about TV obscure. I've never even yes. heard of it. Late nineties. I remember watching it. I went to Fangoria was promoting it at one of their conventions one year, and I got a bunch of free swag from it. I have um, a notepad still. Polter, Poltergeist Legacy. Oh. Yeah. It's it's good. It's worth checking out. I, I hope it does pop up now on TV Obscura because I would like to see it. Yeah, no, I'll make sure I'll make sure it does on my end. Um, uh, the writer for this, I mean, this had a lot of writers. It had four. Sandy Howard was one. Um, a man called Horse was one of the. Uh, he, he was a producer of that movie, Great Western, uh, starring Richard Harris. Kenneth Peters was another writer. Um, he, he did Simon and Simon. He wrote Blue Thunder. Um, you know, not, not a bad resume. And then, uh, Gary Sherman was uncredited and Robert Vincent O'Neill was another writer. He wrote, um, Angel, which is a David Irons, our boy David Irons is a big fan of the Angel franchise. Is, is that where the, on the cover the girl is like a schoolgirl, and then, or, you know, prostitute yes. is like, it's like a split cover type of thing. Yes. I always remember that one. Yeah, I do remember David uh, mentioning that. Although, speaking of mentioning, I, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, that Gary Sherman directed Wanted, Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer and Gene Simmons. Of course. Thank you for pointing that out. That That is one of my favorite action movies of all time i figured it would be uh, oh my god if if you guys don't it's based on the tv series that starred steve mcqueen oh. a western and they updated it but to me it was like what if the punisher were a uh, what if get it mm. <laughs> what if the punisher worked for the lapd uh but he was still the punisher cool. so he had all the weapons he lives in this dope ass warehouse loft thing and it's Rucker Hauer at his most badassness and Gene Simmons at his evil um villain in this is, 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 is he actually good he's not cheesy Gene Simmons no he's not cheesy okay okay it's uh and shit I love I love me some runaway but uh 
yeah, he it's like he cuts the difference between Runaway and Never Too Young to Die. Okay, um, okay, definitely never not. It, it, it's more subtle. Okay. It's great. It's worth checking out. That actually is on Blu-ray from Kino, so uh, at a very decent price point. Hmm. Keep that in mind. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's Vice Squad. Um, you know, and before we get started, like Corey said, the the, the trailer for this was instrumental, so um, it, it didn't have any you know words necessarily. So we're gonna give you a little taste of the wings. Doing his thing, baby. Neon slime, baby. Wow. Fade into black, the streets come alive. That big city monster just opened his eyes. The hustle, the muscle. All right, like Corey said earlier uh, in the earlier in the program, uh, there is a title card that comes up after the Studio Canal intro. No, which the Av- is definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, Studio Canal. Oh definitely yeah, new. Oh no, no, you're right. I was thinking of the Avco one, but no, you're right. the The Studio Canal intro. I love that Studio Canal intro, dude. I do too. And I was like, oh, this is very classy. It's beautiful. Classy for a sleaze mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, and it is an Avco Embassy movie. Uh, for those that don't know, Avco Embassy. Did movies like The Fog and Escape from New York. I think we I think we reviewed one. I don't know offhand which one it is, but I recognized that logo. And that's another one. Avco Embassy has a fantastic logo thing Ooh. going on. Yeah, so fun fact, Avco Embassy used to have their own movie theater on Wilshire in um, Beverly Hills. Hmm. And I used to drive by it all the time um, about 10 years ago. And... It was still named the Avco. It's something else now. Okay. There's all these cool driving by the Avco and like, oh, it's got the same kind of old school logo. Ah. I'm like, oh, man, I love that shit. I wish they'd bring that back. I know. It's neither here nor there. Yeah, movie opens with the title card about this being, um, you know, a work of fiction, but they used real cop stories, essentially. Slime City kicks in. The Avco Embassy logo pops up. Well, fade into black. The streets come alive. Right, it's just so great. So good, guys. It's so so good. good. (laughs) It is like, it is, it is Gene Simmons' kiss, you know, kind of deal. And 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 their open the the opening shot is of Hollywood Boulevard, prostitutes, cops, dudes getting busted, and he's got a cat on his shoulder. Another dude gets busted. He's got a dog on his shoulder. Then you hear the you know lyrics come in of the song, bang bang, shoot 'em up. It's so good. It's it's really cool because you also do see a lot of locations. I mean, this entire movie, dude, everywhere they went, you know, like Kuanga and Hollywood. I'm like, I know exactly everywhere they go. And this movie does a great job of actually keeping L.A. Uh, straight, like ha- keeping it correct where things are and everything. Um, but I will say, uh, shout out to the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. I did see the Crossroads <laughs> of the World here twice, and both times 
it looked like a shithole. So, you know, it had definitely improved in the eight years between this and Ford Fairlane. Because, you know, he got they got the chicks. The big, fat chicks. Oh! oh. Well, and, and I will say, as someone who's recorded at Crossroads of the World... In one of their studios, there it is a it is a shithole. Like the 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 equipment that the engineers use are great, yeah. and but the carpets are disgusting and just like it, it's gross. Who knows the stories those carpets could tell? <laughs> oh God, uh, yeah, oh, the boy. horrors. <laughs> well, we're gonna get to some of those horrors tonight. So yeah, it it opens on this shot of of the cops, and it's it feels very um, cinema verite. Mm-hmm. Like you just the cameras on pointed on the action of what's going down on Hollywood Boulevard. And, f- and really quickly, uh, only two scenes in this movie were shot on a set. It, Ramrod's apartment and the, I the think police station. Yeah. The pl- yeah. Thank you. I read that. I read station. that too. I was like, Oh, that's, that's, in- that's interesting. Everything else was shot uh, on location. And, and I think that goes spades. I think it's awesome. I love it when they do totally. shit like that. Absolutely agree. And even though this movie's 97 minutes long and it's very much 97, I think it's like uh, minus credits, it's like 95, yeah. you know, 96 even. 96 even. Uh, <laughs> sound like fucking Pink Panther. Uh, heavens to Murgatroyd. Mm. So um, they they chew up a lot of this movie, not necessarily in dialogue, but just action. Yeah. There's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, fade out on this scene of pimps, cops, and hookers. And, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know if you pointed, if you noticed the, uh, the, the, the guy with the cat on his shoulder oh. when he's getting busted. Oh, I, amazing. I noticed everybody there. <laughs> it is a, I mean, it's like a, it's like five minutes and you know, Zach, Zach doesn't, we don't have to like talk about every one. It's really just an opening monologue shot. It's, it's pretty long, yeah. but it is chock full of interesting individuals. Let me oh, tell you, it, it's wild. It's it's Very awesome. Much LA. It's so cool. I love it the same way that I loved seeing New York in in the Exterminator. I love it yeah. the exact same way. It's so fucking cool because I think I mean I think a lot of it is they do have actors and stuff, but I do think that some of it they're actually shooting just on the street and and whatnot. So and I think some of the people aren't actors, and uh, it's it's a nice mixture, and you can't really tell where the shots are set up to be actors and where they're set up to just be you know existence but yeah it's like five six minutes of this you know until we actually get to the to the next scene and i can promise you uh, unlike unfortunately fortunately or unfortunately we won't be seeing a cop um cooking a hot dog with two forks oh, yeah. in this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> anyways hmm, little little deep dive on our episodes goo 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 Fade out from that s- sequence and you fade into a little girl um, and her mom's getting her ready or getting her dressed to go see grandma down in San Diego. Uh, the woman is princess. The daughter, the, the little girl is princess's daughter, Lisa. There's a knock at the door. It's Mrs. B. She's kind of like the, the caretaker, babysitter, nanny, comes to pick up the Lisa and take her to the bus station. The phone rings as they're getting ready to leave and it's princess's buddy ginger and ginger's looking all tore up very upset and she calls to say that she just split on ramrod and uh, she says i can't handle it anymore he beat the shit out of me i ran out on him i ran out on him princess is like where are you well where are you right now she's like i'm at the hollywood sunset hotel and princess you know it's like you're gonna he's gonna find you there yeah Yeah, of course he is like it's like if you 
It's like if you if you just went home or something. It's like, why? Why go in the sunset? Like, go a couple blocks over. Go somewhere else, you know? But go to the valley. Take the bus right. to the valley. But, but you know, it's it, that's her home. It's what she knows, you know? Yeah, it's all she it's knows all because she knows. they capture these kids off the street and turn them into prostitutes. Yeah. And, um, and, and Princess says, well, look, just lock bolt the door and I'll be there by nine because I've got stuff I got to take care of, right? Cuts to the bus station. Uh, princess is dropping off her daughter, Lisa, with Mrs. B, Beatrice, and she says goodbye to her. And the da- it's the, the ADR is terrible because the daughter's like, goodbye, mommy. Bye-bye. I love you, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's, it's, it's bad in, like, in a good way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyways, they get on the bus and head off to San Diego. So, all right, so my question to you is right now, I'm like watching this and I'm like, so – we know that Princess is going to be a prostitute, and I probably should have waited until you say that she changes her clothes in the bathroom. But does she have to, like, does she, I have so many questions just about this, like, her life. Yeah. Like, does her, does the other lady know, the nanny uh, that came to pick up the daughter, does she know that that uh, Princess is a prostitute? And, like, is, I guess she doesn't go out every night. She just goes out for maybe a, the weekend, one or two nights, and then makes so much money. Like I just couldn't understand it really. Like how, how all this was working out. Does she like does she send her daughter to San Diego every single time she's gonna go out and be a prostitute? And if so, that seems like a big ordeal. So does she only do it for like the days that she's gone, and then the rest of the time she d- does she just not have to work because she made enough money? That well, I think I think she does. She rakes in the dough, uh, as they say later on in the movie. She, she's an outlaw. She doesn't have a pimp, so she she keeps all the money for herself. For one, uh, I think she has her friend Beatrice, who kind of takes care of Lisa when on uh, at night. And I feel like she's on her way out of the business. Okay, like she, th- this is the she's sending her mom, she's sending her daughter down to San Diego, and then this is it. She's getting out finally. Okay, and then also the tail end. To, to that point, um, you know, she also talks about how she doesn't use drugs, so that probably doesn't or clearly doesn't eat into her profits either. And even later, um, one of her Johns mentions something about when she gets to San Diego. So I think I'm thinking she's trying to get out of LA and get to San Diego. But one thing that I like about this movie is it all takes place in one night. So the only information we get is this information. We don't have anything else about her life. And I, I do like stories like that because it allows you to sort of insert like, uh, you know, whatever your ideas into there. But I, it's just her her lifestyle is so foreign to me that I just couldn't understand, like, is she doing it every night or not? But, yeah, it seems like she doesn't do it, like, every single night. But if you're not doing a bunch of drugs and you don't have a pimp, then you can probably make the same amount as another girl, and it'll still it'll go further for you, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. And I, and I think, it, and, and like I said earlier, this, this has kind of a cinema verite uh, documentary style to it. Like, we're just watching a snapshot yeah. of these people people's lives, and... We've reviewed movies like this before where it's just one moment Mm -hmm. and whatever happened before or after, it's really up to the viewer to decide. And yeah, that's, that's my take is that she's, she's on her way out. Okay. Right. Um, And, and, and more to put what Corey was saying earlier, she's not prostituted up yet. She's, she's kind of like, she looks like a normal everyday normal person, but she, then she cuts, they cut to her being in the bathroom getting quote unquote dressed 
and she's got like this purple dress on with her makeup. And in many ways, I'm like, she looks a lot like Jamie Lee Curtis does uh, from that time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, also in a lot of ways, because, um, you know, fashion comes back weirdly. She looks like if she walked down the street in 2020 or 2021, I'd be like, oh, she looks contemporary. Like (laughs) because 80s fashion has come back so strong. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, it's it. And she she looks cool. She's got an attitude about her because after she, as she's leaving the bus stop, there's a pimp that's like, "Hey, woman, it's time to get down." And she goes, "Don't even talk to my, don't even talk to me, jive ass, unless you got some money." Jive, like, yeah. Ooh, right burn. out the gate. So it's it's interesting because it's almost like when she puts on her quote unquote costume, she becomes another person. Even the way she handles herself, the way she talks to people, she didn't put up with no shit. And then she's gonna about to get picked up by a cop that she fucking clocks that motherfucker coming a mile away, you know, as being yep. as being a cop. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, girl, like she princess is is hardcore, dude. She's awesome. Yeah, because this guy rolls up on her and he's like, "Hey, hey, how much? How much? I, I, I just got paid. I'm, I'm loaded." Yeah. Uh, and she's like, "Well, you know," she's like, "Why don't you get a nice lady cop?" And he's like, "Well, do I look like a cop to you?" And then she, she says, "Does a teddy bear have cotton balls?" <laughs> get lost. And t- turns out he is a cop. Yeah, because so when she walks away, he wait, radios back and he's like, "Ah, it didn't work out." Yeah, or something that like was that. so cool, dude. I fucking loved that. I was like, "Dude, right out of the gate." And again, so at the same time. I'm thinking that she's she's a cop still undercover. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny your uh, your your thoughts about that because it's very not it's not clear yet like if she's on her own or if she is a cop. That that's not really well defined. Yeah, and I think that's intentional because you're like, well, maybe she is a cop, you know. And I love that. It's there's a little bit of ambiguity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but it, but she's at the crossroads, like you said earlier. And a convertible Mercedes rolls up, and this guy honks his horn for Princess to come over. And he's like, hey, what'll $50 get me? And she's like, a whole lot of pleasure. Half and half, straight, head. <laughs> he starts listing off her resume of things she can do. And the guy says, and this made me think of Donald Trump. She's like, have you ever, have you ever golden showered? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't hurt or anything. <laughs> and she goes, sorry, honey. I already went to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, did you notice the mouth motion the, this guy had when he was talking? He has oh, yeah. the weirdest facial expressions. <laughs> His mouth moves in not normal human ways. I would almost say he might be an alien disguised as a human pretending to be an actor because the way he talks <laughs> is not normal. No, it's not. It's not. But then, uh, you know, he works her over. Sure. And, He's like, I got a six pack and a hundred dollars. And she's like, well, you also got yourself a date with princess running water. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, she's like, okay, you can piss all over me. I don't care. Well, no, actually bucks. I think she's going to pee on him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, at least that's my take. I think that's usually how that goes down, but. Oh, well, I was, I'm glad I don't know. <laughs> and I, and I might be the, the sleazy one on, on the show, but yeah, that's not my cup of tea. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> or your cup of pee. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Will I tell you whose cup of pee it is? It would be mine. <laughs> oh, great, creepy, 
<laughs> Randy Cosby. What are you doing back here? Oh, again? Randy well, Cosby. I, I heard you talking about prostitutes, and I'm ready to get down with a six-pack of beer and some Gatorade. Baba doo ba And I'm out. <laughs> You're going to pee on me. Uh, sorry, Randy Cosby. We can't use the same joke Mm-mm. twice. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it keeps you fresh, buddy. It, keep, it keeps your mind working, baby. I don't know, though, man. It's just some, it's some gold right there, some some running water gold. Anyways, they drive off, cut to the most beautiful Bronco I think I've seen on screen oh. next to next to Keanu Reeves' Bronco in Speed, which is a sick Bronco. I like this, this one better, dude. This... I like this one better. This is a beautiful multicolored oh. Bronco with a uh, tire on the back, with a tire cover that says one word, two syllables, Ramrod. <laughs> we are introduced to Ramrod. Again, Corey still thinking he's a cop. And very much clearly, he is not. No. He's kissing a chick, and uh, and he says, tomorrow night. And he says, oh, I love you. Just like this kind of like pillow talk he's having with this girl. And uh, drives off. And as he drives off, he pulls into a hotel. You know what hotel he pulls into, guys? Uh, the Sunset. The Sunset hotel. hotel. And it's fucking, I mean, that is the Sunset Hotel. Like, I recognize the shit out of that thing, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never stayed there, no. but I'm very no. much familiar no. with it. No one ever. I don't think, ooh, if these walls could talk. <laughs> no, don't, don't actually, get me wrong, guys. I've never stayed there, but, but like, I've driven past <laughs> it. It's it's further on the other side of the strip, closer to the uh, Cedar sinai and all that kind of stuff. It's closer that way than it is towards... Um, like Beverly Hills and whatnot. It's on that side yeah. of things. Yeah, and uh, as Ramrod gets out, you hear some some prostitute yelling, you know, motherfucker, I said 50, 50. <laughs> <laughs> and Ramrod gets out of his Bronco and he's walking like with purpose and swagger. And the dude, the dude is he's he's a towering inferno of fire. Like the guy, first of all, he's like he looks like he's six foot five and he looks like he could play football. Uh, you know, for the Kansas City Chiefs. The guy's just a built like a brick shithouse yeah. and very menacing looking, but with a big smile on his face. Like, he's just so happy. You know why he's happy? Because he can kick everybody's ass. That's why he's happy, because no one messes with Ramrod. Mm-mm. And we're about to find out. And and I, I got to say, you know, we may be kind of joking throughout this thing and be silly about it, but yeah, obviously the subject matter is very dark. It is very... um very sad it's a very yeah. sad yeah. reality and and in no way am i making fun of people in that no v- life Situation, i'm just clearly yeah. commenting on nah we're, we're talking about a movie we're talking about an actor we're talking about characters yeah. that that aren't real but yeah just have I, to point yeah, that no, out. I, I agree and it is this the movie what's going on in this movie is no laughing matter but no here what's we, about yet, to happen here we are so <laughs> yeah and and look and i chose it again I'm fascinated by this, you know? Um, So Ginger is in her hotel room, uh, room 109, and Ramrod knocks on the door, and she says, who is it? And Ramrod says, it's God Almighty. Mm -hmm. And Ginger's scared and terrified, and she's like, I ain't letting you in, you prick. And Ramrod says, come on, you don't have to talk to me that way. And she goes, you gonna hit me again? And he goes, "You, you know you're... You're the number one thing in my heart. Come on, open up the door. And she says, I ain't letting your I ain't letting you in to beat my ass. He goes, Oh, honey, all I want to do is love you. She's like, You hurt me real bad, Ramrod. 
And, uh, and he goes, oh, I thought you was holding out on me. I should have known better. I ain't ever going to hit you again. All I want to do is give you the love you want. And she goes, you swear? You swear you're, you're not going to hit me again? He goes, that's right. And what does she do? She unlocks the fucking door. And as soon as she does, he grabs her. He explodes he says, I can't in. believe how stupid. Yeah, he, ex- oh yeah. Like he, he, he grabs, he, it's like he has one hand on the door. And it's like the door is made out of paper because the way he forces her, forces it open and forces her. And he says, I can't believe how stupid you are. And you're like, oh shit. Yeah. And I will say, there's nothing funny about this scene. It is so intense. And I remember watching it for the first time uh, the other day while I'm taking notes and I look up and I rewound the scene and I out loud, I go, well, that was intense. Yeah. Cause Dude, you could this, feel the tension. This is one of like, like three or four super intense scenes in this movie. And yeah, they're in this scene right now, as he's in there, there there's nothing funny in, in this scene right here. No, because because he starts wailing on her. He starts beating the shit out of her, and he starts beating the shit out of her, and he's like, "You ungrateful fucking bitch!" And and of course, these are direct quotes. And uh, he goes, "Didn't I take care of you?" He starts beating the shit out of her. He's like, "I'm the one who found you at the bus station, half starving to death. I'm the one who taught you to do your hair and your makeup so you could have all the Johns you want." And she's like, "I love you, Ramrod." And as soon as she, as she says that, he, he takes a coat hanger. And he starts fastening it. Yeah. I didn't know where this was going. And I'm like, what's he going to do with that coat hanger? And, uh, and then, you know, he says, street talk says you turn an outlaw on me. She's like, you know, just leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then, and he, he ties her to the bed with her pantyhose. Like he rips her pantyhose and then he ties her to the bed with it. And he goes, you got to learn that nobody ever walks out on me. And he's like, we, we got to help each other. And as he does that, he takes his coat hanger and he bends it. He like fastens it almost like it's pointing out like a tip. Yeah. And he goes, you know what time it is? It's school time. And he goes, you ain't going to give my money. He goes, you ain't going to give my money maker away for quite a while. And then he cut, it cuts to him starting to beat her Yeah. and she's screaming. And you know, like it's going to be bad. You don't know what happened. You're about to find out because, and you got to find out what that's called, what he did with that coat hanger. Yeah. I, Fortunately, you have no idea what that was or what that is. <laughs> no, no, me, me neither, dude. I, I had to, I had to look up a lot of terms in this, like sugar pimp and stuff like that. Like I was like, yeah. let me go look that up. So yeah, dude, <laughs> uh, it's it's again, it's it's a world that I really don't know anything about other than what I've seen in movies. And since this one is trying to be so realistic, they're using a lot of terms that I had never heard of or I had heard of, and I just didn't know what that meant. You know, so it's yeah. it's an yeah, it's an intense scene um it's intense what happens to her and uh yeah and every every you know party involved actor wise does a great job uh emoting that intensity but it is a pretty rough scene to watch yeah who would have thought nina blackwood from mtv yeah yeah good for her she's very impressive very impressive with her with her performance uh from there you cut to a police car it's uh, you're introduced to Tom Walsh and his partner Edwards. Uh, I meant to point him out too, by the way, because he's not he's not in the um, because he, he's one of the main guys in the movie. Walsh is kind of like he's got corn rolls, and they and they point that out. It comes kind of becomes a a point of comedy at one point. But um, his name's Maurice Emmanuel. He was in a movie called Drum, which is a real great um 
kind of black exploitation film from the 70s, uh, starring Pam Greer and Warren Oates. It's if you've never seen Drum, it's hard to watch because it deals with slavery and it's you know the harsh realities of our of our of our country. Uh, but it's really good, and he is in that. So Maurice Emanuel plays Edwards. So they're sitting in the car, and you get the sense that Maurice, he, well, you don't get the sense. They call it out. He's new to the Vice Squad. Right. And he's trying out his Jamaican accent. Yeah, so, so they're kind of going over, they're going over terminology, which the terminology that the prostitutes use, right? And so Walsh is asking, Ed, he's kind of testing him out. And so they're they're like in the middle of conversation, and Edwards is like, uh, it, it, "It's up the ass, it's it's up the ass around the world, fucking suck." Um, oh yeah, that's a that's a half and half, <laughs> and like talking about this stuff, <laughs> trying to get, and he goes, uh, you know, "Golden Shower is a freak who likes to get pissed on." <laughs> and Walsh is like, "Yeah, welcome to the Vice Squad." Then and he asks Edwards if uh, if uh, he's looking at Edwards, and he's like. Did you get did you pay to get your hair done like that? And Edwards is like, "Of course, man. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> and so at first you're like, "Walsh, you're kind of an asshole." Yeah, you of know? course he is. But then you realize, okay, he's an asshole, but like he's good at his job. Yeah, and they have a good rapport. Like he doesn't. It's not one of those things. He doesn't really rib him that much. You know, it it was it doesn't become one of those things where Edwards is the the rookie guy. It, it doesn't really kind of play out that way. This is really the only time that he gives him a little bit of a ribbing. You know. Yeah, yeah, and you get the sense that this is their first night together on the job, right? And so across the street, they spot a prostitute asking how much to a, to a John, and uh, Walsh is like, okay. You're going to pop, <laughs> he goes, you're going to pop that cherry and uh, you're going to, so he basically says, you know, Edwards has got to do the bust and Edwards is like, oh, cool. Well, I- I've been working on my Jamaican accent. Can I use it? <laughs> and I just want to call out real quick that, that prostitute that they're going to bust, it, her name is Blue Chip in the movie. Yes. Um, but she is Very played important. by Kelly Piper, uh, who was also in Maniac and in Rawhead Rex. Oh, okay. Well, Maniac is a classic Bill Lustig horror flick, and Rawhead Rex, not that bad. Yeah, it's not. It's not yeah. as bad as people say it is. Yeah, it's it's okay. <laughs> I I've seen it when I was a it's kid. Possible. I didn't love it. Uh, she was also in Scarecrow and Mrs. King. That was another show that I liked as a kid. Oh, I but, love that show. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away in two thousand and nine at the age of fifty nine. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Well, Blue Chip is great. Yeah, she's great, and she will come back. Later on in this movie, she has a short scene in the beginning, but she will definitely be back well, for she, a very pivotal moment. She's one of one of the few. It's, it's interesting because, like you said, this is almost kind of two. It's two separate movies: the cops and the prostitute girls, and then you have Ramrod in there. And so, Blue Chip is one of the the kind of the prostitute girls that we sort of get to know. While you know yes. the cops are, we get to know them. But she she also knows uh, Princess, and she's kind of a part of Princess's little friend group or whatever. So it's kind of nice, and it's also you don't really put these things together until a second viewing. Because on the second viewing, I was like, okay, I'm gonna pay more attention to this person that they're busting because she's gonna pop up later. But the first time I watched it, I kind of you know didn't pay as much attention to her as I as I kind of probably should have or wanted to. Yeah, she she comes back in a in a very important yeah. way. So stay tuned. Yeah. So Edwards pulls up to her on the street, and uh, yeah. He, before that, he's like, "Walsh, yeah, all right, Sergeant Man." <laughs> he's trying on his yeah terrible Jamaican accent. Anyways, Edwards pulls up to uh, to Blue Chip on the street, 
and Walsh is across the street uh, watching, and he kind of signals. Edward signals her over, uh, and she thinks he's a cop, but she but he pulls out his accent, and he's like, "Just me thinking of cops makes me nervous." Oh, and she's like, uh, she goes, "Okay, you want a party? I like your smile." And he and she goes, "How much you want to spend?" And he's like, "Thirty-five." And when she goes, "Well, that'll get you some real good head." <laughs> and Walsh swoops in right after that. He arrests her, and she goes, "Well, well, well. If it isn't Mister Pussycuffs." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, at now you cut to the the police station. <laughs> the police station, and real quick, I gotta say. Yeah. Do you recognize the guy? Yes, I did. So okay. right out of the gate, when they cut to the police station, there's this real young pimp yelling about how I'm a pimp, you know? And I was like, why does that guy look familiar? Well, it's because he's played by Grand L. Bush, who also played Barlog in the Street Fighter film, which is what I always remember him as. I remember him from that, but I also remember him as, I was in the third grade, dickhead. <laughs> Oh, shit he was a agent johnson i didn't put that together awesome i i think when i saw the bar log with street fighter it just clicked i was like okay that's who it is you're right dude that was special agent johnson <laughs> just like great, saigon great hey slick i was in junior <laughs> high dickhead <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah dude i love those guys I man <laughs> Yeah, dude, oh, so he's so hella good. young in this, man, and he's he's in it for, like, d- seriously, like, five fucking seconds. seconds. Yeah, it's like yeah. nothing. But right away, I was like, why is that asshole familiar to me? And I l- fucking landed on fucking Barlog from Street Fighter. <laughs> Fuck, I should have gone with fucking Die Hard. God damn it. Well, that's why we do this show together. <laughs> Teamwork, buddy. <laughs> Teamwork, baby. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you're right. He's, he's, like, arguing with the cops. He's like, I... He goes, I'm a pimp. I ain't no jive-ass dope dealer. I'm a pimp. And uh, and then you cut to a hooker slash transvestite saying, you know, I was not trying to grope that man. I was just trying to dust the, I was just trying to dust the ashes off his pants. <laughs> and a female cop, like there's a lot of banter going yeah, on amongst the, yeah. the, 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 the people at the, at the, at the precinct. And, um. And so this is the only other set. This in in um, Ramrod's apartment are the only two sets in the movie, which is impressive because this is a damn good looking set. I had no clue that this was this was a set. Oh yeah, it, it looks like a real precinct for sure. And then you know, like I said, there's a lot of banter going on with all the different people, kind of giving you the sense that this is just a typical Saturday night. And then one cop comes out. He looks like really pissed off and. Uh, you know, he's screaming. He's like, who stole my paper clips? Who stole my, it reminds me of just, you know, uh, an aggressive Milton from office space. It's like mm, my stapler, you know, this guy's freaking the hell out. And he's huge. I mean, he's like six foot five. He Mace. looks like, His a, name's Mace. he looks like a fucking like linebacker and he's having a temper tantrum. And this is the only time you ever see him in the movie. And what like an amazing little piece of like character right there that we got to see. And again, because this is, this is supposed to be a slice of life. This is just one night as as Vice Squad, so you don't know like how much shit that this guy's put to, like been put through before. Maybe he always keeps his cool, and this is literally the one time he ever blows up. And we, you know, and we saw it as the audience. I don't know, but it does. It, it, what's great about it is is that the director put this scene in here. 
It's amazing. It has nothing to do with anything other than to show you that this guy is pissed off. I love it. It's it's a really important scene because you get the sense that these guys are just overworked and exhausted, Mm -hmm. right? And you you cut to, right as he's having his meltdown, you cut over and you see Mendez, Pepe Serena, next to Walsh and, um, and Edwards. And Mendez is like, oh, man, maybe maybe it's time for Mace to be put out the pasture. And Walsh says, well, maybe it's time for all of us to be put out the pasture. You get just the sense yeah. that these guys are just like burnt out. And let's be honest, we know. Yeah. We know. Like, we know more about cops nowadays because of everything that goes on. But this shit was going on back in the day and that wasn't reported about, mm-hmm. you know, the things that cops got away with or or the stuff they had to deal with. And it was way more wild west style back then for sure and i loved that dialogue where where pepe was like you know maybe should be put out to pasture and walsh was like maybe we should all be put out to pasture because he's like you know because he's like yeah obviously that guy's losing it but we could all lose it at any point because he's under the same amount of stress as we all are i mean there's multiple times in this movie where walsh blows up talking about like i you know don't tell me what's wrong with the system because he knows he's been doing it for i think 13 years it said at some point he said it was some point i mean my god that'll just that'll destroy you i mean uh my wife's um sister as a cop, as a detective in LA, and she did SVU for a while. And I mean, the toll that it takes on on the officers you know, emotionally, stuff like that, the special victims unit, like, man, those, those those poor, poor police officers, men and women, do not get enough credit for the, the insane shit that they just have to deal with and take home with them and push it down and just keep an eye on it, keep an eye on those feelings and just push them away, you know, because it, yep. it'll yeah. fucking break you, dude. Yeah, it's brutal, and he'll run down a few things that he's witnessed as a cop yeah. later on that you get, give you give him give you the sense that yeah maybe it's time for him to retire. But from there, they're they're uh, Walsh and Edwards are booking blue chip, and then a, another cop comes in and tells Walsh he's wanted a county med immediately, um, and Walsh is told that uh, he's he's told that over the CB radio that it's Ginger, Ginger Grady at the hospital, code two two and a half or whatever. I don't, they, then they do that through the whole thing to just kind of, I think it's their way of showing, like, we know what we're talking about. We're using probably real codes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it's great. I love it. I love all the dialogue in this movie. So great. At the hospital, at the hospital, you cut to Walsh and Edwards talking to the doctor in Ginger's room in the hospital in her, you know, recovery room or whatever. And the doctor's telling both of them that she's had vaginal mutilation. Oof. Uh, and he's like, well, it's not uncommon with prostitutes and Walsh calls it, you know, he, Walsh says, oh, he used a pimp stick on yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's apparently what that weird hanger is. And I, I've, I've uh, heard the term pimp stick before, but I never knew what it, what it meant. And now I do. And that is fucking horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. So you can only imagine when Ramrod said, you're not going to be able to work for a little while. Yeah, it, and then you throw into that mutilation of you know your nether region it just sounds like oh Ugh. god anyway like we said the, the, we're gonna have fun obviously but this movie deals with some serious fucking shit yeah because there's definitely moments where you laugh and you're like oh my god this, that was amazing but this is not one of those moments no. um so they you know walsh is trying to get ginger to tell her that ramrod did it because she's not saying who did it to her 
and 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 Ginger's like, but he, you know, Walsh is like, I can't help you unless you tell me that Ramrod did this to you, and she's like, but he loves me, and and he goes, that stone psycho doesn't love anybody, and she's like, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, and then suddenly, she dies, she flatlines. <laughs> so okay, and they don't even perform CPR no. on her; they just pull the sheet over her head, and she's dead. Yeah, so. It's weird because as much as we were just saying that she was awesome in the first scene, this scene is one of the just very few points in the movie where I was like, oh, this isn't like very, it was so over the top when she was like, I don't want to die. And then she's dead. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? And they're all three of them, the two cops and the doctor just standing there watching her die. And it's a shame because like, the the makeup on her was good. Like I I liked the fact that both of her eyes were swollen shut. Again, I don't like the fact that the character's eyes were swollen <laughs> shut. I like the fact that they the actor like they made the actor have that. I was like that's yeah, that, you don't usually yeah. see that. You always because you know your actors you don't you, you want to let them have their eyes open. You know I was like okay cool. But then she does this like I don't want to die. Ah! And then she's and then just like so it's so bad. But. It well, is one of the few bad moments in this. It's there, there are very few, and this is one of them. It's it's it, it's it's a weak setup because yeah. you know Walsh is pissed. He's like, you know, I'm gonna get that son of a bitch if it's the last thing I ever do. And Ed, Edwards goes, well, not on that deathbed statement. Edwards could like give two shits yeah. that she's dead. Like he doesn't because he doesn't even know who she is. Right. But yeah, the whole scene like kind of falls flat a little bit, especially after just knowing what had happened to her, and and just you know, do have some convulsions or something, but she's like, she literally does the, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like textbook 101 acting how to die, and I just, I wish that, like, it happened when maybe Edwards and Walsh were out in the hallway talking, and then you hear the beep, everyone, and then you see, uh, you know, orderlies run in or something like that, you know what I mean, like, I just wish it played out differently, so, yeah, it, it, whatever, okay, it wasn't the best, but that's fine. It does not detract from the movie whatsoever. Yeah, because it, it's to set up this next scene, which is uh, Mendez calls the hospital and says that uh, Princess is at the station for Walsh. And, uh, you know, and Walsh is like, well, tell her to come here. Bring her here to the hospital. Why did right? Why did Princess go to the station to begin with? I assumed to go find her, but... How did she know that she was in the custody? You know what I mean? Well, so my my feeling is that she was going to tell the cops about uh, Ramrod. And they get to the state and she t- probably tells the cops about her friend, my friend Ginger. You know, you know who she is. She's been in here before. And they're, and they're probably like, oh, she's at the hospital. Okay. And okay. then they call in Walsh. Okay. Because Walsh was asked specifically by Ginger, who knows her. Okay. You know? uh, and that's what set that up, right? So she, so um, Princess gets in the hospital and. Oh, I, I got to say real quick. Did you watch the cop walking her down the hallway? Did you watch that cop actor walk into the door frame? At, no. So so it's a, it's a one shot. It's a, it's a single shot um, of of Princess and this cop kind of walking into the hospital straight ahead through a hallway. And it's going to end at like a, I think like a window or something like that. And she's going to talk into it and the cop's going to stand behind her. But she's a little bit in front of him. And he just, as an actor, he kind of did the misstep of like, he just had a wrong step and his shoulder hit the hit the hit the frame but he tries to like correct and it's like 
you can see him because he looks down at his feet. He's looking for the mark and everything. Like, you can see he goes into actor moment for a second, but it's it's funny. I'm like, okay, he walks into the wall. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I picked up on what what you and I were texting about later on, um, in the in the mansion. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're definitely like, oh, oops, that was a mistake. Okay, so I'm gonna point out a few gaffes in this movie, and I dare they're I great say, gaffes, by the way. Dare I say, said gaffes only make the movie better. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Because at one point I'm like, was that intentional? Oh no, it wasn't. Oh my god, that was hilarious. I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, th- this cop walks into a doorframe. Watch for it. <laughs> okay, for sure. I gotta w- go back and watch it now. So, anyways, I-, I wrote down like, I'm like, damn, Princess looks just like Jamie Lee Curtis right now, right? And um, so she's walking down in the ho- in the hallway. Obviously, she she goes and sees uh, Walsh and Edwards. They're in a, they're like in. Yeah, they're kind of like in a side hallway room. Yeah. Uh, Not that's the morgue, but there are gurneys with bodies like the waiting on room the, to the morgue. The waiting room for the morgue. Yep, that is yeah. that is exactly where they are. Yes. So there's three gurneys, three dead bodies, and I, you know, you can tell that Walsh is wanting to do it for dramatic effect. Have the meeting there, and uh, and she and she's like, you know, you want to talk a deal right here, right now, and Walsh is like, look it's almost like you jump in on a conversation they, that they're already having. And he's like, look, you got a drug bust and that'll get you a good three to 10 years. And she's like, Oh, come on, Walsh. She's like, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. And, and he wants her to play. He wants her to be an informant for him, but she doesn't necessarily want it yet. And he's like, look, he goes, you got something like, you know, if you don't cooperate with me, you're going to go to jail and then you're going to lose your daughter. And then your daughter will be turning tricks before she, before you even see the daylight again. And she looks pretty distraught at that point, princess. And she's like, basically says, okay, fine, I'll play. And, um, I want, and he says, I want you to operate a pimp ramrod. And then she gets, I love this line. She's like, put sand up your ass Walsh. (laughs) She goes, you know what that son of a bitch gets off on cutting up girls. And Walsh says, it's your only choice. And princess says, yeah, well, you know, 24 hours he's in, then he's out. And then, yeah, because she's like, it's like a re- revolving door for you guys, yeah. you know. And that's this is when Walsh kind of blows up and he's like, don't tell me what's wrong with the system. Like, he he knows, like, that right there is a sore subject because he's been yeah. putting guys, guys and girls away for a while and just to watch them go right back to the street. I mean, my God, how... How defeated must you feel as a police officer doing this to all this work to put somebody away just for them to pop back up on the street? You know, I mean, this shit happens now. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, this is the plight of the changed. Yeah, nothing's changed. changed. (laughs) And and yeah, and you're right. He blows up at her. He's like, I don't need no bimbo telling me what's wrong with the system. And he's like, will you listen if your friend Ginger talks to you? And then he pulls back the sheet of one of the bodies to reveal dead ginger. Hold on, and hold a, on. He doesn't pull. But you make it sound like so nice. No, he fucking grabs her, shoves her face, like, and pulls it off at the same yeah. time. Like, it is. And it, she's screaming. Like, the way it's cut, the editing, like, she's immediately screaming because her friend's face is totally fucked up. This has to be illegal, highly illegal, very 
fucked up on Walsh's part to to like I knew I I'm like this is where this scene's gonna go right I I assumed this is where this scene was gonna go I never in my wildest dreams would imagine that he would actually do it and like and it would we would see it you know yeah yeah he's yeah you're right he's like forcing her face down and she's she's screaming and he's like you know Ramrod did this to her and she's freaking out and she's like you coward you face him and she's having like an epic. Academy Award winning yeah. meltdown yeah. because it feels very real. Yeah, her best friend is like mutilated and, in front and, of her face. And she's literally like she wasn't expecting that. Like imagine having all of a sudden like what if I'm talking to a cop like two inches away from a fucking dead body not knowing it was you and then he pulls back the fucking curtain and it's my fucking Zach. I'm like what the fuck? Like you, your yeah, mind would be yeah. fucking blown, you know? Like yeah, she's, it, it's a, yeah. It's that's harsh. That is harsh, but I I get why Walsh did it, but it's fucking harsh, man. It, that is a harsh harsh thing and you could say that like you know walsh is becoming as harsh as the streets are making him you know but this was this was a a a different kind of evil man this was pretty fucking evil well and it's really weird because he's he's holding her he's like hugging her and she's crying and he's kind of yelling at her at the same time but then he's like also comforting her He's like playing good cop and bad cop and, all in the same moment. And she's moment. a 10. She's a fucking 10, like the way she's behaving, like screaming yeah. and oh, everything. Yeah. And, and yeah. not in a bad way. Like she is at the right level of emotional response. And it is a testimony to how good he is uh, at, as that character because he can hold his own with her when she's that. Like, I mean, this is a tour de force from uh, season uh, Hubley. It it is a tour de force. This is like one of like three insane, not insane, but like just wild acting. And again, not in a bad way, all justified, but the level of emotion and intensity that she explodes with is awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's going to get worse. Yeah. yeah, It (laughs) it escalates. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. 
So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. It escalates because from there, you cut to like what appears to be a strip club, and Ramrod is at a bar with his beautiful satin western shirt. Yes! Beautiful blue, aqua blue satin western shirt with like silver trim yeah. on it. It's it, he's, he's He looks so good. He's so... The guy is pure shit, but uh, the character. Yeah, yeah. But Wings looks like a gold-plated god. Academy <laughs> god. I Golden mean, god. I mean, dude, yes. I'm not a big fan of, like, Western style or whatever, but he he pulled that look off, man. That shirt was awesome. I was like, I'm kind of digging that shirt, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, there was a time I would rock a Western shirt. I'm not really doing that anymore, no. but, uh, <laughs> but there was a time when I that, it was kind of in fashion. Definitely would have rocked it back in the day. But yeah, he's talking to, I wrote, fellow pimp. He's talking to his fellow pimp. Hmm. And uh, Ginger walks in next to Ramrod and walks over to the other pimp. And the other pimp says, ooh, if beauty was a minute, you'd be an hour, baby. And he goes, you know what I am? I'd be the, and she go, he, he's like starting to sweet talk her and she just goes, fuck off. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> and, was cool as shit because she's clearly yeah, like, she's cool. She's clearly like posturing for, for Ramrod. For Ramrod. Yeah. And he's ogling her. And he's her, ogling like, her and he's loving the fact that he, that she just shot down that other pimp right there. Yeah. Yeah. He's all hot and horny. Yep. And, uh, and she walks past them and sits down at a table. Ramrod's watching her the whole time and and then she sits down and then Ramrod says to the to the pimp he's like who's the bitch and uh <laughs> then he cuts side you cut outside of the strip club which is called the Bald Eagle it's called the Bald Eagle B A L L E D as in it's getting bald not bald as in it's smooth with no hair but it's getting fucking bald I was like <laughs> I was like, that is more clever than it has any right to be. <laughs> that could be your next, that could be the next t-shirt <laughs> yeah, for the bad, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I real quick, uh, before you talk about what's going on out here, I will say that my next note is tracksuit cop is my favorite cop. <laughs> oh, he's the best. He looks like Chuck Norris. <laughs> he basically. does. He's, yeah. he's the poor man's Chuck Norris. Like a, <laughs> yes, he's the Chuck Norris's stand-in that does all the roundhouse kicks. <laughs> um, yeah, so now you cut to Walsh and Edwards watching from a car. They got a wire on on uh, Princess, and they're listening in on her talking, and, and, and Edwards goes, she's scared. And Walsh is like, well, she's dead if she gets made, so of course she's scared. Of course she's scared. Right? Suddenly you hear Ramrod on the mic come in, and he's like, hello there, beautiful lady. <laughs> and it cuts to him sitting with Princess, and he wants to buy her a drink, and he's like, I'm just being friendly. And then uh, he grabs her forcefully, and he says, "But yet to me, sensually, it like it's sensually, weird. It it's it's wild. I'm I'm watching him. Like his moves are just he's he's he, his hands are all over her face, and you know it's it's guys, it's it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, because yeah, at one point he sticks his fingers in her mouth, yeah. and he's like, you. But he he's goes, you like that. But but he's you just like he's that, oozing confidence, and I mean it's just like it's Wingshauser confidence coming at you, and it's just like, wow. I just, I just afterwards, I mean, I'm like I'm like airing myself off afterwards, you know. 
I'm like, whoa, I got the vapors. <laughs> the vapors. Well, but you you know, but 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 as an audience, you know what he's already done. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if you hadn't known that at first, you'd think, okay, this guy's just like trying to be sexy, but you know that he's just like a manipulative, evil son of a bitch. And he's and he's so super dangerous. He is. Right? He he is the viper. He's the yep. viper. So yeah, he grabs her forcefully and he's like, you know, looks like you're flying solo. And it appears to me that you're in need of a real good man, somebody to take care of you. And then the princess is like, you're going to give me what I need? And he's like, I don't give nothing. Like he squeezes her like really like he's going to pop her head off at that point. And then he says, uh, I bet I need to see your qualifications first. She goes, well, no one's ever complained. And he goes, well, I could be a cop, couldn't I? And she goes, well, I could be a virgin. And he goes, "Ooh, I wish." <laughs> God. Like, oh Jesus. Jesus! Ooh, it's just de- dirty, dirty, dirty. And uh, and he's like, "You got style, but I want to test you out." And and he wants to test her out at his apartment, right? And then that's when he sticks his fingers in her in her mouth, and he slaps her, and he <laughs> he kisses her, and he's like, "It's like you you like that shit." <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and he goes, "Ooh, bitch." You're such a wild thing. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, it's so wrong. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. For 43 years, guys. I've been on this earth for 43 years. I've seen nothing like Wingshauser in this role in my it, entire it is, life. It is it is like, um, you know, the lines from Boogie Nights when they're filming their pornos. Yeah, yeah. That's, what it, that's what it's like, but it's but, but, really happening. Yeah, but he, and, and he's selling it like an actual actor, so he's doing a great job with it. With it. Oh, he's so great! He's and so he, good. Oh, he's just so oh, God. Oh, and you're like you're creeped out, yeah. and you're like, oh, but damn, you, you can't look so... away because he's no. he's wings. So you got the no, he's, he's got the wings. charisma, but yet you're scared of him. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of emotions going on when I'm watching this movie, dude. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, oh, he's such a wild thing, and and we fortunately again, thank God for subtitles because he got the subtitles on, and it says thang t h a n g. Yeah, I love it when they do that. Right, and uh, and he takes her out. He takes her out of the bar, and as he does, as he does, as he's walking out of the bar, he turns to look at the pimp, and he gives him this trademark kind of bang bang shoot, you know, like a pop gotcha. Kind of thing, and it is—it's a GIF. If you just look up Wings Hauser Vice Squad GIF, you'll find online, it online. Yeah. You'll find it. It is so good. Yeah, it's a good one. We're and, definitely keeping that one in the rotation for oh, moving dude, forward. It, is, it next to it's you know Megaforce obviously is the one that gets you <laughs> gets you going at night, uh, but this one is like this one's just the oh yeah I'm feeling good when you need so, that sleazy energy, baby. Right. So he walks her out to his ramrod Bronco. And this is one of two very interesting moments in this movie because a homeless lady comes up and starts harassing both of them. And then she's like begging Princess not to go with Ramrod. It's a really interesting moment. And it's really scary, actually, because when this happens, she's like kind of getting in both of their faces. And then she gets in Ramrod's face and he takes out a lighter and he goes, huh? Huh? He goes, you you like fire? He goes, you want to burn? I'm the devil. And and like like he actually it's like so like, intense. It's like a, it's like a Zippo, and he actually like lights it near the actress lady, near her crazy hair. And I was like, oh shit! Like that was, I, I it was a, it was a good scene, but at the same time, I got the sense that people behind like behind the camera gasped when you know he kind of flicked that lighter near her hair. But yeah, and I liked it because it was you almost got the sense that 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 lady is 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 
princess in the future. Like she's just yeah. one. She's the voice of all the beat up prostitutes that Ramrod's abused over the years. Like she's almost like one of them. You know, maybe she was an old prostitute or something. You know, and it's yeah, it's really freaky and scary. It's it's tonally, it's almost like a horror movie for one second, but then Ramrod becomes the fucking monster, and then it's still a horror movie because you have a fucking Ramrod. Yeah, his when when he utters that line, he's like, "I'm the devil." Yeah, it's like so, like, "Whoa, shit! Don't fuck with this guy because yeah. he's gonna kill you." And sadly, um, I think this is probably the last time we see the Ramrod Mobile. Unfortunately, yeah. I will definitely post a picture of it um, on Instagram. But oh god, that that it's like a black Bronco with like high raised up like um, you know tires, but then it's got that awesome sunset stripe going around the side and then another same sunset stripe that goes up the frame of the cab or something it is just it is beautiful apps i mean dude it's cherry man it is cherry it is in the ramrod font is so dope it's so dope because it's you know it was custom made of course gotta Uh, be it's yeah it's it's fantastic i would love that as a hot wheels car Yes. Bodie, do yes. you want to play with a ramrod? <laughs> yes. Yes. No. <laughs> that is the tie-in that Hot Wheels has, has been dreaming for. Hey, kids. Coming soon, the new ramrod matchbox car. <laughs> From yeah, Vice Daddy, Squad. Can I have them? <laughs> From Vice Squad. Get it now. <laughs> the breakable windows. You remember the you remember the cool uh, Hot Wheel cars that you could hit them on the side yeah. and it would flip yeah, over? Yeah, the crack-ups. And the, and, and the crack-ups. They were my yeah, favorite. Could, that was my, that will the, always be my favorite Hot Wheels cars. Detective Tom Walsh's police car from Vice Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking windshield. That would be great. That would, be. Um, that would actually be amazing. Whereas there's a toy maker named Dan O'Brown. He makes these really funny action figures. And yeah, that would be something he would definitely mm-hmm. should make. Um, anyways, from there, yeah, Walsh and Edwards tail Ramrod's Bronco as they take off. And then they park uh, near ramrod's apartment because they know where ramrod's going they know where he's going that was one thing i kind of didn't figure out the first time so for two things i absolutely love the tailing sequence later and i'll talk about why then but here um i didn't realize at first because they kind of go in different directions as ramrod which is you know smart because it doesn't clue him in but i didn't kind of pick up on the fact that okay they already know where he is like they they know where he lives they're gonna go there and then you're gonna see that they're actually have their men you know the vice squad's actually already there in position yeah and it's it's not just edwards and walsh but it's it's he's got like he's got his whole vice squad team is tailing yeah the whole whole team is there yeah so they they're they're basically you know squatting on his place watching uh and and and, and Ramrod's doing well for himself, by the way, because he yeah. lives in an, an apartment that has like a, a front desk guy that watches over everything. And then when you get into the apartment, it is fucking gorgeous. Well, it's 1982 gorgeous. That The wallpaper is wild, but it, it's, it's still pretty nice. Yeah. Well, and we're going to get the the Elvis connection too. Oh, so, yeah. uh in in just a second, but yeah, when 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 Ramrod brings Princess into his his uh building, the all the people working in the building are cops. Everybody. So the the desk guy, the maintenance guy, uh, the cleanup guy, janitor, right? Um they go up to Ramrod and Princess go up to his room. As they're walking in, she's kind of telling her backstory to him that She's been in LA for five years. She can't, she had to hit the streets to make a living. Um, and as soon as they walk in, he likes 
closes the door and he starts making out with her and he just starts kissing her and, and he's like, Oh, you want a drink? And she's like, yeah, uh, scotch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Scot- like, scotch if you got it. And he's like, oh, I've got it. Oh, I got it. And and on his wall, he's got like a velvet painting of Elvis. Actually, on every wall, he's got a picture of Elvis, which I think is a great touch because he's just because he's the king, baby. Uh-huh. Right? He's the king. And uh, and and then she's and then she says to Ramrod as he's making her drink, she's like, "How come you don't got a main lady?" Which he means ginger. And uh, he's like, because she held out on me, and I had to fire the lady. I had to, f- and I had to fire the lazy bitch. And, and he starts kissing her, and and he gives her the drink, and he's like, ooh, such a wild thing. I mean, and there's all kinds of stuff happening. He's rubbing scotch. the he glass on her face, yeah. and he's grabbing her boob. I mean, it's crazy, but. There's an amazing <laughs> shot where he's kind of like necking on her and she is like in so much emotional pain because Ginger was her friend and she can't, you know, she doesn't want to be doing this. And then as he kind of puts his face back into her face where she, where he could see it, she changes. She emotionally changes. And I'm telling you, that is when I noticed. I was like, holy crap. Like she is grade a acting right now and i don't know if this movie deserves the level of acting that she's doing but it's definitely not hurting anything it's only bringing the value of this film up oh it certainly does i mean well leading up leading up to what you're describing you know he as he's kissing her and he, he gives her his she he gives he gives her the scotch and he's making out with her he's like oh you are pretty he's such a thoroughbred you and me we're gonna enter the Preakness. <laughs> Shout out to the Preakness in Baltimore, baby. <laughs> right, and then cuts outside to uh, Walsh and Edwards listening in, and then it cuts back to him, and he's like, "Ooh, we're gonna take the Triple Crown," and he's like, "I want you to play for me," and he's like, "Ooh, you smell like a rose," and then that's when she goes from like looking all turned on to like totally disgusted when he when he kisses her neck, and and yeah, I wrote that too. I wrote great acting. Yep, and uh, and then she's like. She says, you know, as he's kissing her, she goes like, well, like, is that it? Do I, do I pass? And, uh, and he's like, you, he goes, look, you just turn a few tricks for me and give me the money and I'll take her and I'll take care of everything you need, honey. And at that point, Walsh is like, okay, we got him. Let's go. Let's go. Like, let's move in now before anything worse happens. And that's the point where 43, 43 year old Corey finally figured out what pimps do i never quite understood so so the girl gives the pimp all of her money and the idea is that her whatever her she won't have to pay for anything like like it's the idea that that she'll have a car he'll pay he'll take care of that he'll put her you know roof over her head yada 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 like she won't have to she's just giving him her money essentially daddy yeah that's why they call pimp daddy yeah right so i i was like okay it's so weird it's it's so funny that i'm just kind of this movie helps me put all this together because I've I've watched cop movies my entire life, but I guess I kind of watch movies where it's more focused on the cops themselves. Yeah, no, I, I mean I, I'm not gonna lie, I've seen a ton of these type of movies, so I'm like a little for more familiar with it, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it makes sense to me. But this movie kind of covers the ground really well in a in a in a really dramatic way, but it also covers like factual stuff that yeah. you would have maybe not understand, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Cause in, and, 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 you know, Ramrod's like smitten with, with her, but at the same time, you're like, 
but dude, if she makes one wrong turn, you know that she's dead. Yeah. That's just the way he is. Yeah. Right? And then, and that's and as, as the audience, we know that. And that's what makes this whole scene just terrifying so because tense. she, like you said, he's a viper. She's in the clutches of the viper. And right now he's, he's loving on her, but you know that he can bite her just as easily. Yeah. You, you wonder like if he would just snap her neck for no reason, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's like still making out with her. Ooh, I think I'm in love. Yes, I do. And then the cops barge in and, and I, and that's when I wrote down that there's an Elvis on every wall. Cause that's <laughs> the moment you see, Oh, there's literally an Elvis painting on every single wall. And immediately Ramrod's like, I want to see a warrant. And then Mendez, the cop, <laughs> this is great. He's like, warrants. We don't need no stinking warrants because we're holding these in our right hands. <laughs> Fucking little trash. <laughs> He's great. He's all mouth right there, dude. But, oh, I love it. But this scene is about to go in a totally different direction. Dude, this is, this is bonkers. bonkers. So, so Walsh at that point, you know, says, you know, hands on your head. And Ramrod says, come on, shoot me. Shoot me. Just do it. And Walsh is like, oh, I wish I could, you know. And Oh, he and actually Ramrod, says, I think he says that can be arranged. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he says that can be arranged. And that's a foreshadowing right there. It sure is. Foreshadow. And Ramrod, at this point, being racist, uh, he's like, what? what? What do we got here? We got the minority report. <laughs> yeah. And he's looking at Mendez. He's like, didn't I see you picking lettuce and Salinas? I'm like, damn, dude, you are racist. Racist, racist. And uh, Walsh goes to check on Princess as they're, you know, arresting Ramrod. Princess shows Ramrod... Uh, the tape and like gets up in his face and she's like, everything is on this tape. You're going to pay for what you did to ginger. And then Ramrod's like, what I did to ginger is knock her around. So, so what bitch Uh, princess goes, she's dead. You asshole. And I love that. You can see a little glimmer of shock in, in, you know, that's, that's Wingshauser doing a great job of, of emoting, but on Ramrod, he truly didn't think that he killed her. You know, so no. when he when she said that, you can see the shock like roll over his face. It is awesome acting on on by Wingshauser. Yeah, yeah, because he flips on a dime. He goes from like slightly shocked to suddenly he's like, "They set me up." Hey, hold and on! Like, nobody sets me up. <laughs> he says nobody sets me up, and then he grabs Princess's head and uses her head to headbutt Walsh. I th- right there, dude. This is like I think this is like thirty-seven minutes into the movie. I was like, gold. This is fucking gold. <laughs> he uses again, guys. He uses her head. He grabs her head and uses it as, as, as a battering ram against Walsh. And guess what? That's not even the craziest shit that's going to happen in this scene. Nope, nope, because because he... So Edwards is the one that's kind of uh, holding Ramrod, and then Princess is is in between Edwards and Walsh. And so it, so in order, it's like Ramrod, Edwards, Princess, Walsh. So Ramrod headbutts Edwards, knocks him out of the way, and then he grab that like you said, he grabs Princess and headbutts her. And then he's like, <laughs> you nobody... her to headbutt. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he says, nobody sets up, sets me up. And then Ramrod pounds, starts pounding on Princess. Yeah. Right? And and, and he's also got, cops. he's in, keep in mind, he has like one um, cuff on, not two. He only has one on at this moment. Yes, he is. Yeah, right. He's got one cuff on and he's pounding on, on Princess and he kind of pulls her over near the window uh, and all the cops draw their guns out. But when right? he pulled her over, he put the hand, the other handcuff on her. 
So, yes, he so put the they're other, yeah. so they're now attached. I mean, this is this is this is wild. <laughs> and and he picks up a chair off the ground <laughs> and he starts hitting her with the starts chair. Hitting her with the chair. And I would go, uh, nice job, body double for uh, princess because it's clearly a body double, but it's <laughs> but it, but it, like it's like a dude with a wig on, but it kind of looks like princess. Uh, and as he starts pounding her with the chair, and then the cops just pounce on Ramrod and take him down. And and, 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 and when they pounce on him, it is like uh, like a master shot of all the actors. And I thought it, I, I yeah, you're probably right. It probably wasn't princess, but I thought it was uh, a season um, because, but they're still attached. So when, when the cop actors tackle wings, Hauser, he's still really attached to either a season or it's another, you know, a body double. I'm not sure, yeah. but she gets tackled too. I mean, there's no way not to get hurt in this exchange. And it's, it is amazingly like blocked out. I-, I can only imagine that the actors really got hurt hurt doing it. You know, yeah, because because she's tough yeah. too. Princess is tough because she doesn't take no shit. Because she she starts pounding Ramrod back and she spits in his face and she's like, "I hope they fry you." And she slaps him and she's and then uh, then he looks at her and he's like, "You're dead," you know. And then Walsh pull, puts his gun right up to ramrod's nose right up to his nose gets it right up in his face and he's like he's like come on come on scumbag make your move make my day yeah you know but it's it's not in a cliche dirty hairy kind of thing it's more just like come on motherfucker do this make me uh, let me do this to you let me kill you let me just end your life right now you piece of shit yeah but they got him you think okay they got him yeah and and you know what my final note is for this whole thing or this scene my final note is what an intense scene. Yes, dude, it is so intense. So good, I, so actually, good. After I wrote all the notes down, I reroute, rewound it, yeah, so I could watch it again. I, I because- would honestly say this scene is worth the price of admission to this whole film. This is this scene is unbelievable. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, I'd say there's like three fantastic moments in this film this is definitely one of them i'll say this this is the scene that made me realize that i was in love with this film <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> i was like i love you vice squad and i love you <laughs> zach for making me watch it <laughs> oh yeah hell yeah well i tell you the next scene made me want to start eating pork again oh, because they could dude. gigantic hot dogs oh, the, dude uh, i miss la celebrate. street dogs so bad i mean so i used to live in downtown la and i had a nice little two-year period of period of my life where i, I think it was actually before i knew you dude um because i wasn't living in santa monica yet and yeah. I was doing the LA life scene, man, or the downtown LA scene. I was going to the bars. I was eating the street dogs, you know, at night. It was awesome. And nothing, dude, beats an LA street dog. And what what makes them LA is that they're wrapped in bacon and they also have the mayo and ketchup uh, poured on them. And I'm like, oh my so God, good. so good. So good. It's so, it's so it good soaked make- up so much alcohol in my system, dude. So good. <laughs> Yeah, the the days of partying are way past my prime at this point. Mine and, too, uh, buddy. I don't even but, have a kid, but I am forty three. So, well, I I don't I don't I don't uh, I do I don't miss those days, but I but I look back on them fondly. 
you know what? I'll say the same thing. I truly don't miss them at all. Like I would not want to do them anymore, but I'm glad no. that I had them because I feel much better about, you know, like just having a normal life because I had the crazy shit, the LA crazy life for a bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, you know, and it's, it's funny because, uh, when they, when they cut to this scene where, so, you know, obviously Ramrod's now been like arrested and taken away and Walsh is buying a hot dog for uh, princess and he comments on the fact that it's three dollars and 58 cents for two hot dogs huh? <laughs> and i'm like oh classy dinner you know like okay first of all oh i gotta spend three dollars and 58 cents on this chick oh, oh. <laughs> so uh princess asks you know at this point they're they're munching down on their wieners and princess asks about ginger's burial and it's a very kind of like it's kind of a nice moment because mm-hmm. Because Walsh is like, no, 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 don't worry. The the, the city's going to take care of all that. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of having this small talk back and forth. And Walsh reveals that he was di- he was married once, but he's divorced. Well, I actually like um, I actually like this dialogue a lot. This scene, I actually really, really like the scene. Yeah, me too. Because he she asks, she goes, are, you know, are you married? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. But divorced three times. I, I, was like, I like that. He's like, yeah. he doesn't register. Like, he's like, I've never been married, but I've been divorced three times. That was such good <laughs> yeah. dialogue. Great dialogue. Yeah. It's great because at this point they they start kind of flirting with it's, each yeah, other. It's a because little flirty. Right after he says the divorce line, she's like, "Well, how was your day?" And, he, and she goes, "Well, I, I was arrested." Mm-hmm. Like they start kind of playing this role play, yeah. and he goes, uh, "And he goes, oh well, you know, a, a pimp poured lighter fluid on uh, on his girlfriend." And then uh, she goes, "Well, I went around the world twice," mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hmm, uh, there was the thirteen uh, year old hooker I I nailed." And then the dead, the dead junkies, sixteen and fourteen years old, and uh, she goes, "Well, uh, I I puked on a couple of freaks." <laughs> it's it's I love it. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's. And he's like, "Just to have another happy go lucky day on the Vice Squad." Yep, I like this. And scene then they a lot. finish their quote unquote dinner. Yeah, it's it's a sweet moment because you're like, man, these two have seen way too much horrible shit in their lives, and they are probably so mentally fucked up. But this is the life they've. Cho- I mean, they have. Yeah. This is the life and, and that they're living. Speaking of, immediately, you know, she's like, "Okay, well, back to work." I yeah, because he the wants. Fuck. He, he says to her, "He's like, can I give you a ride home?" And she's like, "No, I gotta head out to work." And he's like, "Wait, you're going out to work?" And he, and then he pulls his wallet out to give her some cash, and he's like, he's like. Uh, He's, he goes, can I borrow a 20 or something yeah, yeah. like that from her? Well, she, she's like, you're, you're never, you don't have enough money basically to, to pay for what I need to make, you know, tonight. She, yeah. She goes, I make, I make in a night what you make in a month. Yeah. And, he, and, he, like he, and it was funny. Cause he was like, uh, can you loan me? You know, you got to front me a 20 or so. He just had no money, you know? And I liked it. I, I, I thought it was, it was such an honest exchange because neither of them were trying to be anything more or less than what they were. And I think that was what was so amazing about this little piece of dialogue. I mean, it's only like a little two minute scene. It's nothing major, but I really, really liked it because it was honest, honest to the point where she's like, okay, I'm, I'm going. And she just picks up a John right in front of the vice cop. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Right right before that happens, you know, when he has his wallet out, she looks at the photo in his wall and she's like, oh, She's like, oh, she, uh, she's cute or she's pretty, and he's like, yeah, she was yeah. or something like that, and um, and and she says chow to him, and she goes, keep it clean, Walsh, and I love that, like you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's like a, like okay, I'm gonna go, 
I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm cool. She's cool. Yeah, I, like she's I know cool. what I'm doing. I know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You know what I'm doing. It's yep. it's a very open relationship, and that's what it, it's it's beautiful. I love that. I wrote down. Uh, there's a Kiss song called Black Diamond, and it's a in the opening line is uh, Paul Stanley goes out on the streets for a living, and it's just about a pr- prostitute and selling her body to the streets black diamond it's a great song. i used to cover it back in the day nice. and uh and 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 i'm like wait kiss wrote a song about a prostitute that's that's kind of badass it's kind of cool <laughs> anyways i'm like she's black diamond she's black diamond. She is. she's tough she is um and so yeah she gets like you said she gets a ride from a john and she drives off cut to ramrod in the back seat of Mendez and his partner Kowalski's car. Fucking these Mendez, two bumbling idiots. And Kowalski, Mendez. So yeah, you're gonna hear more about Mendez and Kowalski. Oh, this is just the beginning of the madness. Comic fodder. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna we're we're gonna ramp it up to, a, or we're gonna ramrod it up to about 13 <laughs> in a moment. So ramrod's in the back seat, like he's so big, he's like sideways in the seat, like almost laying on Kowal on Kowalski, who's also in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mendez is driving. Uh, Kowalski. They're not in a. They're not in like a black and white police car. They're in a uh, unmarked, you know, normal car. So there's no divider or anything. And Kowalski's in the back seat. And yes, then uh, Wingshauser's in the other back seat. But he's so fucking big that his legs are almost on top of Kowalski. But then weirdly, he's also crying. And he's kind of yeah. like he's like I said I was sorry. And you almost yeah. feel like there was like a missing like dialogue that we're not privy to, but yeah, he's, he's, it's weird. It's right away. He's different, but it doesn't yeah, last they, long. They almost like they, they, it's almost like they, when they cut to him, he's acting like a little bitch. Yeah. And really? Like yeah. A little and he bitch. says, that, and he, yeah, he's, he's sorry. And he almost kind of like kicks the back seat of the, of the, of the, or the front seat of the car, you know, with his foot. I said it was like, so like he's yeah. kind of whining. Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. And then, and then Mendez, I think it's met. I forget. I forget who, uh, Oh, yeah, no, Kowalski's like, he's like, don't worry. You got 20 years to play with yourself, Ramrod. <laughs> and then Mendez says, my partner's right. My my partner's right, but breath, you don't need women anymore. A few jerk-off pictures. <laughs> a few jerk-off pictures, maybe. <laughs> they all start laughing, right? And then uh, he says to Mendez, he's like, eh, no, with his talent, he could pimp the bum boys. And then Ramrod, at that point, right after he says that, Ramrod kicks Kowalski in the face. In the face. He fucking into ab- the like, windshield. Like obliterates his nose. It is yeah. it's intense. <laughs> I mean, it is fucking intense. So so with his with his uh with his right leg, he like karate kicks Kowalski into the side window, the windshield, uh the side window. And then he wraps his legs around Mendez who's driving and like starts strangling him while he's driving. And the car is going out of control and And it hits it, a couple cars. Like it doesn't just like hit one. Like you're expecting it to like hit one and like flip over or something, but it actually like hits a few. I mean it's it's an intense scene. It's another it's an intense very scene. intense scene. Great sound effects too, because it just you can hear the metal crunching yeah. and it, it and there's very minimal 
sound outside of the car, just crunching into other cars. And it, it rolls up on its side. It kind of like side flips. And uh, and Ramrod just like falls out of the windshield. <laughs> falls out of the front windshield. I mean, it's almost, yeah, yeah it's, it's very, it's interesting. It's interesting. Fa- falls out of the windshield, like kind of barrel rolls out, not like Dolph Lundgren in an iconic piece. <laughs> and, uh, whomp, whomp, and, and he runs off down the street with his handcuffs behind his back, you know, cuff behind. And, he's, and I'm like, holy shit, he's just like running off. He's just escaped. And, and then. Uh, Walsh and or, uh, sorry, uh, Mendez and Kowalski get out of the car and they're like, Walsh is going to kill us. And Kowalski's face is all bloodied. Up. I mean, like, it's clearly Kowal- Kowalski's face is fucked from there. You cut to Walsh and Edwards storming into the police station to go off on Kowalski and Mendez. And Walsh is just going off. Yeah. And he's like, you're lucky, man, Kowalski. And he looks over at, uh, I wrote down, Lady Cop, the Lady Cop. Before I, because you don't know who their names are at first. Yeah, right? they don't really say it, yeah. And Walsh looks over at uh, Williams, Louise Williams, the the female cop, the only female cop. And she she pulls Walsh off of Kowalski, says he's like, he wants to beat the shit out of him. Of course. And he's like, you know, you said he's out of control. And he's like, if they don't, if, if we don't find Ramrod, Princess is dead. You find one or find the other. And uh, he's like, let's hit the streets. If he blinks, waste him. I want him out of commission, not you. And Walsh helps as they're, as they're all leaving to go out. There was a girl earlier in the, the police station yeah. from beginning. And she's like, she's got track marks on her arm. And she's like, obviously a drug addict. And she's crying. She's still there at the station. And she's crying. And he like, he shows his affectionate side because he calls over a cop. He's like, can somebody help her? Yeah. Like, let's get, help her get, get her to, to the hospital, hospital or something. Yeah. 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 And, really a kind of cool moment. And I like that because, again, you, you don't get anything before or after this night. So everything that we have is to go on is is this stuff. So I'm glad they gave that moment. You know, I don't know if they needed it because I think we already understood that that Walsh was caring. But I do like that. He, he took time out of his day to or that moment to do it. But yeah, he is pissed at Kowalski. You know, I mean, he is. But Rightfully he, so. But he does say whatever he said there. He's like, I want him out of commission, not you. And that he said that to Kowalski as he was walking by. So you also get the sense that like he's mad. Yes, but he doesn't want to see his partners and his, his crew fucked up either. You know, no, because he knows how bad Ramrod is. Yeah. Right. And I also love the the pacing of this movie is really fast. Oh, yeah. They have scenes of, you know, they have scenes that, like chase scenes or like investigative investigative scenes uh, that move a little slow, not in a bad way. Just it's all about pacing. But everything else moves pretty quickly. And the dialogue is fast and mm-hmm. furious. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really, really fun, well-paced movie. Honestly, I, I could have even had like five or 10 more minutes worth of just more story. I could have taken it. I would have been fine yeah, with it. So, but it's, it's as it is, it's, it's a fun, fun 97 minutes. I'm, I really like this next sequence though. Um, Ramrod, they cut back to Ramrod now and he's at like a auto body shop. He's at Roscoe's auto body he's shop. He's at Roscoe's <laughs> auto body shop. Abusing Roscoe. Who's helping him. I mean, this guy is, is pure trash. Ramrod. Ramrod. <laughs> And Ramrod is getting his cuffs, uh, you know, sawed off by this mechanic, Roscoe, the owner of this of this auto body shop, auto repair shop. And Roscoe asks, he's like, come on, man. Come on, Ramrod. What, what kind of trouble did you get into? And uh, and and 
Ramrod immediately says, he's like, you got diarrhea of the mouth. He just, you just move your black ass. And Roscoe grabs Ramrod, I love this, and he puts the hacksaw that he's using on his cuffs up to his face. And he's like, let me tell you something, motherfucker. You don't talk to, yeah, he says, you don't talk that cracker shit to me, you hear? <laughs> and uh, and he goes, because I'll set your ass on fire. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Hey, Ramrod, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, man. What the fuck? Yeah, chill the fuck out. Yeah. And and he pulls this shit later on with uh, when he goes to Eddie's. Yeah, and and, Eddie, and like, dude, what the fuck? And Eddie is helps him. Roscoe you, helps him. I'm like, what kind of sway does Ramrod Rod have? What kind of sway does Ramrod have on the streets? Cocaine. Cocaine. He's got. He's got a. He's got a cocaine dealer. He's, it's all about drugs, right? Okay, so, so yeah, I'm gonna bring that up when we talk about that scene with Edward. So that was a real thing that he meant. Like he was gonna actually have the cocaine delivered. Like that wasn't like I think just so. A, okay. Okay, we'll get I that. So. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. He's a man of his word, I think. Okay. And uh, so so Ramrod backs down. He's like, I'm sorry. And Roscoe just goes, Sorry, my ass. And he cuts the cuffs off. And as soon as he cuts the cuffs off, Ramrod like bolts off, like backs up. Like, oh, I'm free, you know, with his handcuffs and he's grabbing his wrists and and he's like looking around at the cars that he's got in the shop. And uh, he goes, you can't have no El Dorado, but you can have the Ford over there for five hundred dollars. That's what you're going to get or something like that. And then Ramrod says, you know, well, tell Fast Eddie I'm on my way. And Roscoe's like, give me a dime. And yeah, so Roscoe, I think, is he gets. um uh, stolen cars and then he repaints them and it was interesting because you don't see it but he's clearly has a like his face has paint on it but not on his mouth because clearly he took off the uh the spray paint you know the the mask that he was wearing to protect his you know lungs from the the the, the chemicals and everything but the cool thing is you never see him take the mask off but the set designer and the costumer did it like they they sprayed his face so that it has like this triangle on it so that you're like oh okay he was he was working on the cars he was spraying it's on his face but it you know he's got a clean part around his mouth i mean that is attention to detail that you oh, yeah. do not regularly see in films right there like they they any other fucking film you see that actor right there would just have sp- speckled paint on his face and that's it and they would call it a day they really knew what these guys looked like what they looked like doing their job and everything and i mean obviously the guy roscoe he's an actor but they knew what these guys like what he his, the character he was portraying like does like i mean again that the, when it comes to the police shit in this movie they, they really have a handle on it i think they really understand what's happening and i think it's probably from whatever research they did they did it well yeah, you know, oftentimes when we when we review movies and and it's got like multiple writers and we go, oh boy, this could be bad, but this makes this makes sense. It's like they had writers go in and tweak shit. I'm assuming, you know, go in and tweak shit and go, oh no no, no we got to beef this up because this is more legit. Because the whole thing definitely feels well researched. It does. Right, it hits nail on the head. Yeah. Um, now we cut to Princess and she's like at a, in the in the looking at a storefront of a doll shop. And uh, I think that's what it is. It's like a toy store or something at night. And a old 57 Chevy pulls up and honks and um, Princess walks up to it. And it's this old dude. I recognize this old dude from something else. I've seen him in other things. I I just couldn't. (laughs) I'm like, I know him from other things. I know. Me too. Uh, My note is he looks like Dana Carvey from the Master of Disguise movie where he kind of dresses up like the turtle guy. That's what he looks like. I love that movie. (laughs) 
with a maniacal <laughs> laugh, and then he farts at the end. The uh, Brent Spiner from uh, from uh, is it Brent Spiner? Yeah, yeah, Brent from Spiner Star from Trek. Uh, Star Trek: Next Generation. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> But guys, that that's a that movie's funny. It is. It's, it's a funny. movie. It is, and I'm not gonna lie. I, I love Dana Carvey, man. I'm I'm a Dana Carvey fan. Dana Carvey does his whole bad um, Scarface. Yeah. You got the crab cakes, and the coconuts. <laughs> What's going on here? It's Anyways. it's actually a funny movie. I'm not gonna lie. It is. It's well done. I liked yeah. it. It's cheesy, but it's funny. I, th- I think. Uh, how did this get made? Fucking did it. So you know whatever. Oh really? Come on. Yeah. I mean, like these. I don't know. But some. I feel like. That's the thing of some of those, sh- I'm not shitting on those shows at all because I think they do an amazing yeah, job. Yeah. But at some point, you're going to run out of like bad movies to do. And you're going to end up taking movies that are like, eh, actually pretty good. But st- I mean, Streets of Fire is a good movie. Did they did that they, on there, didn't they? They did yeah. Streets. And I'm like, geez, yeah. Streets of Fire? I mean, look, you can find humor in everything. Yeah, so then those guys are masters of what they do. Yeah. Just like we're masters of what we do. Yes, we are. <laughs> hey, man. Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, the old dude, uh, who I said looks very familiar. He, he plays a he played a creepy old dude in something else too, like a perverted guy, I think. Anyways, uh, uh, he he picks her up and they go to his hotel room and he gives her fifty dollars and she's like, oh, uh, she's kind of shocked by the amount of money he's given her and he's like, is fifty dollars enough? And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And he goes. I want to suck your toes. <laughs> and she goes, oh, well, let me wash wash them first. He goes, no, 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 no. That won't be necessary. And then she looks at him. And she goes, oh, seems you've been a naughty boy. And he goes, oh, yes, I've been a pretty bad boy. Yeah. And she goes, well, since you paid extra, I'm going to give you an extra spanking. And he just smiles. <laughs> Jesus. You know where you've seen him? I just figured it out. Where? It was a pad movie. Dreamscape. He was, yes. He was the train conductor. He was the train conductor. Yep. That's right, because he was kind of, yeah, nice. We have yeah. a podcasting after dark alumni. Wow. And it's not Peter Jason. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Interview with Peter Jason coming soon. Coming soon. Yes, very soon. And hopefully a little bit more info on a cool Peter Jason thing. <laughs> so from there, uh, we cut to a very kind of, some, some some might say a throwaway scene, but it's important because it shows that the cops are searching the streets looking for Princess and Ramrod. Very, very pivotal, I think. Just a short moment. Uh, from there, Ramrod is pulling into Fast Eddie's, and it's a leather bar. Yeah, And, and I'm like, oh, boy, this is not what I expected. And <laughs> the, the only thing I didn't like was that they used the same shot of the guy on the bike here as he is is in the opening montage so i'm like oh you yeah. couldn't have done it's a recycled like, scene. it's a recycled shot for the opening montage yeah. not a big deal seriously not a big deal because when he actually goes and talks to eddie i like eddie like i like the guy who plays oh, eddie cool. i think he's fucking yeah. cool um even though clearly everything we say obviously has the caveat of we understand that eddie's a scumbag but the yes. actor who plays eddie i think is is awesome and i think he does a good job but that's the only thing i take away i was like ah, i just wish they didn't have i wish they had that actor in a different position instead of lounging back on the on the bike because it's like literally the same shot yeah it's um that's the only i noticed that too i'm like oh you know it's it's all good it's all I, good I it's all good no worries yeah. but but this is a full on leather bar which i definitely did not expect but what, what's interesting is 
Bramrod's going in the back door, no pun intended, Mm -hmm. of the place, and he gets buzzed in, and there's security cameras everywhere, and you're like, wait a minute, why is this so secure, and what is he doing, what's he doing going, who's this Eddie guy, and what's he doing to go there? Uh, He goes in, and he sees Eddie, and Eddie gives him a switchblade. You see Eddie from behind, you don't see the front of him just yet, and when you do finally see him, he's got... He's fully tattooed and he's all dominatrixed out. Yeah. And he gives Ramrod a knife, a switchblade, which Ramrod's very turned on by. He gives him a gun, bullets, and cash. And as Eddie is about to kind of settle up with him, Eddie puts uh, Ramrod puts the gun on Eddie's face and says, "You know what kind of shit is this you're trying to hand me?" He's like, "I want an automatic." I want an automatic and I want it now before I redecorate that pretty little head of yours. And I'm like, Jesus I, Christ, dude. He, Ramrod, like, what is what the fuck is your problem, Ramrod? They're like giving you everything you want. Yeah, and, and Eddie fucking like does everything he fucking says. Like what kind of yeah. you know, it's yeah. He goes, All you gotta all you gotta do is ask. Well <laughs> it's and, like go okay. And and this is when is this when he says he'll he'll deliver his China white or or whatever. Yeah, right, out, right after that, he's like, all you got to do is ask, Ramrod. And he puts a smile on his face, and he pulls out this beautiful silver Colt forty-five, And uh, and then, yeah, that that's when Ramrod's like, my man will be here with pure white, pure white Asian before you can jump out of your leathers and spank yourself. And and so he's not lying, right? Like, I assume, right? Because because why would Eddie be giving him a gun and all this kind of stuff? I, like, I assume that that's not a lie, like, he will be delivering the drug or somebody will be delivering the drugs later. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, judging by the way Ramrod lives and he's the way he's kind of established in the prostitute community. Uh, he's, he's kind of like a reputable guy. Nobody fucks with, yeah. you know? Okay. Um, and clearly like he, the guy's got cojones the size of Texas Hone, <laughs> you know, it's like the guy is like got the biggest balls on the planet. And uh, right after, he's like, oh, and uh, one more thing. Yeah, you know a bitch named Princess? And then he says, yeah, he's like, oh, I haven't seen her since uh, since since we opened up the club or something like that. And he's like, well, well, who's her pimp? And he goes, no pimp. She's an outlaw. And I love that. I'm like, oh, cool. She's an outlaw. Yeah. I love that term. And he's like, no, no, no. No, she had, a, she had a pimp when she first came to L.A. And he goes, well, who was that? And he goes, oh, this fucking sugar pimp Dorsey. And uh, Ramrod wants to know where he's at. And he puts, and he's like, well, tell me where I can find this guy. And as he does that, he takes the switchblade and he puts the blade on Eddie's nipple, on his like dominatrix nipple. And he's like, because Eddie's like, I don't know where you can find him. He's like, well, somebody's got to know. And he goes, well, oh yeah, Charlie, Charlie Crisanda he would know. And he's like, why did you call him for me? And he blows him a kiss. Mm. I'm like, Jesus, this guy's got everybody wrapped around his finger, it's right? It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. And then from there, you cut to the boulevard and Walsh and Edward are on the road looking, uh, looking for princess and ramrod and Edward, Edwards is looking around and, and he's like, you know what, man? He's like, all I see tonight, and I'm going to quote him because yeah. this is what he says. Yeah. He's like, I see whores and faggots and pimps and hustlers and junkies and drug drug dealers and queers and freaks. Man, this city sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and then he says to Walsh, Edward says to Walsh, he's like, man, how do you hack it? 
And I love this because Walsh goes, well, with this little rule I keep for myself, uh, two days out of the every week, I don't worry about yesterday and I don't worry about tomorrow. And that's interesting. And then he's like, now where the fuck is she? Yeah. You know, and then they cut to the next scene. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's like he doesn't think about yesterday and he doesn't think about tomorrow. He just thinks about what's happening yep. right now. It's, right then. And it's very zen. <laughs> he goes, there's two days of the week that I don't worry about work. Yesterday yeah. and tomorrow. I was yeah. like, that's really fucking cool, man. I, I liked his, his mentality on things. It is. It is. Yeah, it's cool. And. In a way, it's kind of like what Princess does. You know, mm-hmm. she worries about what's happening right then. And speaking of Princess, you cut to a what appears to be like a hotel room door open, and Princess is there with a dude in a wheelchair with one leg. Yeah, and it's clearly, I mean, he's clearly in real life missing a leg. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, you know, he's, and he goes, he goes, thanks for treating me, Doc. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, code word there. And and he goes, well, he goes, when are you leaving for San Diego? No, he goes. When you leave for San Diego, you let me know. It'll be worth the the trip or something. Yeah. Yeah, he said because it'll be it'll sure be worth the trip. And she's like, "Bye, Tim." And she kind of gives him like like an affectionate kind of goodbye. And he has this like affectionate look on his face, like, "Man, she's such a great girl." And it's nice to see that, like, like you know, prostitution, whatever you want to say. It was nice to see that she does some good in the world, right? To for this. Clearly a probably a what a Vietnam vet, I'm sure, lost his leg. Doesn't matter, whatever. He just he's doesn't have a leg, so it's probably gonna be a little bit harder for him to get laid and she's being cool and you know, she he's kind of a regular. So I didn't yeah. get this I didn't get the sense that she was disgusted by it. This is like that's her good thing that she does, you know? Yeah, I think um I think it's a harsh reality, you know, yeah. and it was a cool moment. It was a sweet moment because she kinda looked at him very like like sadly mm-hmm. as he's as he's real rolling away and, and his his like his acting wasn't the strongest because he literally is a, a real person with a, a missing yeah, leg yeah you know so but it's still it, but that lended itself to the authenticity and the sweetness of the moment yeah no totally agree totally agree um from there ramrod is on the street and jesus christ like it, it, there's a couple moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, come on. He's right fucking yeah, there. Get him. I know. Because, but, but that's the whole point, right? That, that's the tension there. So uh, he's on the street driving and a, a cop pulls right past him. And you're like, oh my God, you missed him. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't be the first time that this happens in the movie. From there, you cut to uh, this same bar earlier in the movie, the the, the bald eagle. Okay. Right? And, uh, and the pimp that... Uh, Ramrod was with earlier uh, is that sitting at a table and uh, Williams and the, the female cop and track cop and track suit. Yep. Track cop. We, track. we don't know his name at all. His, his name is, his name is Chris. Okay. At one point they say Chris. And then I looked in the credits and I'm like, Oh, is it Christoph? Christopher? Christopher? <laughs> There's like three know. Chris's with, Christian. No, with no pictures. You're like, okay. I think it's, yeah. Like it's gotta be Christian. I think it's gotta be, I'm going to go with Christian. Uh, anyways, yeah, they they approach this guy and uh, and they ask him about Ramrod and Princess, and he's like, I don't want to talk to you guys, you know. And he gets into their faces, and then uh, and, an- and another pimp approaches after after she pulls the gun on him. I love this because she because the other 
pimp approaches and she goes, "Blink your eyes, motherfucker, and you'll die in the dark." Yeah, I love dude. That. She was she was hardcore. She wasn't fucking around. But then that pimp comes back with, "You ain't no black woman. You shit colored." And then he gave like his <laughs> his uh, his buddy really skin, you know. And I was like, "Man, you're fucked up, dude." But I mean, you're a pimp, so I mean, you got you suck anyways. It's like That's he's, what he's yeah yep. yeah he sucks yeah. It's really fucked up, but and and but then he ends up answering their questions like he he's like, well, I saw him earlier tonight, you know, and tracksuits like, you know, you're gonna answer the lady's questions or do you need your face rearranged? And he's like, okay, fine, I know that psycho honky. He was in here earlier, and uh, he might be a Roscoe's and Barando, Roscoe's garage, and and then they leave right, and then after they leave, he's like, oh man, I like to be home watching television. <laughs> There's just too much heat on the street for me right now. And he's like, come on, get out of here. Let's, let's split. And he splits with his fellow pimps. And he's like, he's like, man, you know, they're, they're lucky. They're lucky that they didn't, that, that I didn't get too pissed off with them. Cause I would have, I would have, I would have tore shit up or something like that. Yeah. You know? That's how he, that's how he's strutting out of there. But you know, you know, strutting out all tough. So from there, uh, you see princess getting out of a cab and she goes to a heavenly dance hall, which is, I guess a strip club as well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite understand. Yeah, where this location was. Yeah, just in like another bar, but this was like the the hangout prostitute bar. But then there's uh, a guy with a name tag. Like, so he's at a. I thought he was. Are you at a convention? Well, why? Why does the the John that pick her picks her up have a name tag? I mean, we'll get to that in a second. But well, he, yeah, he was at. He was a convention guy in town. Okay, and then, uh, but but. But I think this is like her normal hangout place. Where her with friends her, are, yeah. With her friends, Because yeah. she clearly, I think she knows the, the the person at the door. They all know her, you know. And, and she's hanging out with, with Blue Chip is there and, and a couple other girls that we're going to see a little bit more of. Yeah, she rolls in and, yeah, Blue Chip is there. And then there's Coco, uh, who's uh, an Asian prostitute. And this this is important because it kind of plays in later. And then Dixie, who's a, who's African-American prostitute. And they're, they're like all happy and they're sharing stories and blue chip is like, yeah, I already, I already got busted once tonight, but my pimp got me out because my pussy don't make no money sitting in the slammer. Hey, I mean, it does. And, and it was a big deal that she, he got her out within the hour too. And they're like, Oh girl, you got, you know, it's like, it was like almost yeah. like you got yourself a nice pimp, baby. He's good. And then, and the princess is like, you know, all I've had tonight are Greeks and freaks. And she's like, nobody wants straight sex anymore. And they're sharing their kind of, I wrote, they're sharing their like their horror stories. So Of course, of course. <laughs> and, and they're like a toast. Here's to the freaks. And this guy walks up and he's like, hey, how about a, how about a ticket to paradise with a horny conventioneer, baby? And she's like, well, are you friend or foe? And he's like, you see this face right here? It's seen more ass than a cowboy saddle. Think you can handle it? And she's like, mister, I can handle the whole damn convention. And then they leave together. Yeah, The, the way that men talk to women disgusting. in this movie is insane. <laughs> yeah, and he's disgusting. He's like oh, yeah. disgusting looking. Yeah. I assume that this is like a local bar and that, yeah, there was a group of conventioners. Yeah. And then he just rolled over and mm-hmm. picked her up. So from there, you cut to Ramrod pulling up to like an apartment building. And uh, and he tries to go in through the front door and it's locked. And he goes over to a fire escape, and because he's such a gargantuan 
Neanderthal dude. He's able to grab the ladder for the fire escape and pull it down. I'm like, oh great. We're, I don't know. We don't know where he is at this yeah, point. Yeah. But he goes up the he goes up the fire escape, and cuts to a dude on a couch with an open robe <laughs> with eating big old titties. dessert. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I know this guy. Oh. That's rerun from what's happening. Oh my God, is it? Wow, <laughs> rerun's got some big old titties. So as you know, our good buddy Diallo knows he knows what's happening really. Of course, well. I mean I know what's happening. I didn't, but you I didn't know recognize him. Like I mean, dude, I've seen fucking what's happening, man. I truly didn't fucking recognize him at all. Um, yeah, I that's think rerun. I, I think at the same time, I was also probably like. I think I was looking up like what a sugar pimp was. So apparently okay. a sugar pimp is a pimp that will use. Um... Oh, I wrote it down. And while you're looking, I'm just going to say really quick that this is, yeah, this is Dorsey. This is the sugar pimp Dorsey. This is the sugar pimp Dorsey that knows, may know where princess is. That's why Ramrod's there. Basically a sugar pimp is a pimp that doesn't use violence to get what they want out of the women. They're, they're much nicer. They're my, and, and clearly from this movie, you know, the regular pimps look down on the sugar pimps very extremely because it, you know, clearly devalidates what they do because they're like the only way these women are going to understand, you know, listen to me is if I beat them. But whereas here, Dorsey clearly is doing just fine and he doesn't have to be violent with his girls. Nope. And now he's kind of, he seems like a sweet guy. And if it's a rerun, he's very sweet. Yeah, and well, he knows how to dance. <laughs> well, he's going to have no balls soon, unfortunately. <laughs> Jesus. Well, yeah. So, uh, there's a knock at the door, Dorsey's door. Dorsey answers. It's Ramrod barges right in. Ramrod as blows he barges through every in, door. He blows through to the door and puts his hand right on Dorsey's sack. With, with his and switchblade to his neck and his hand on his sack. Yes, and he th- throws him up against the back of the wall, throws him up a wall, against a wall. And uh, Ramrod immediately is like wants to know where he can find Princess. And Dorsey says, you know, I haven't seen her. I don't know where he is. And I don't know where she is. And he's, and you can tell Ramrod's squeezing tighter on his balls. <laughs> he's like, ah! he's squeeze, keep on squeezing. He's like, I'm going to keep on squeezing until you tell me where I can find her. And she finally reveals that Princess go, hangs out at the Golden Motel. And then that's when Ramrod says, you know what the problem is with you sugar? You know what the problem you sugar pimps have? You don't know how to handle your bitches. And I don't think you got any balls, boy. At this point, you, you see the knife go down, and he clearly is cutting his ball sack yeah. off. They don't show up, but he's like, Ey-y-y-y-y-y-y-y-y. well, he's screaming. Yeah, he's like fucking screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From there, he cut to <laughs> Princess getting pumped on the bed by this this disgusting piece oh, of crap. He's sweating. And he's like, he's move, sweating. bitch. You're like, what am I paying you for, bitch? Move. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because she's just laying there like you know a dead fish, yeah. and 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 looking very much unamused at what's going on. Yeah, and that's when he's like, "Hey, you know what? What the fuck am I paying you for? Come on, move it, move your ass." And then right after he says that, he comes, and then he's like, and he falls asleep. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, she gets up. She he rolls off her, passes out asleep. She goes to the bathroom. At least you think he's asleep. She goes to the bathroom to kind of basically clean herself up yeah. right and she looks at herself in the mirror and she's and it's an interesting moment because she's like she looks like disgusted and then suddenly she's trying to get herself back to normal mm-hmm. back to and uh 
And you cut from there back to the dude who's going through her purse and he finds her giant wad of cash, which is not a giant wad, but I guess it's supposed to be. Well, it's also uh, 1982 money. I mean, like inflation, et cetera. So like $20 is kind of like, I think today would be around $35. So you can pretty much, it's almost double basically uh, what, yeah. what it was back then. So, you know, you're 50 bucks that... is a hundred bucks, you know, nowadays basically. Yeah. And you know, she's already gotten quite a bit of money from other dudes she's seen earlier in the night. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she comes out from the bathroom and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking my money back. You're a lousy piece of ass. And, uh, and, and he throws, she, she basically starts to fight him. He throws her to the bed. He looks at the cash and he's like, he's like, Jesus, what did you fuck the whole football team? And, uh, she goes, you know what? He goes, you know, you're lucky. I'm not charging you for wasting my time. And he's about to hit her. And she says, motherfucker, I got an N-word pimp so mean that when he gets through with you, you'll pray you'll die. Mm. And then he kisses her and he starts to like, he kisses her all gross. And then he starts to leave. And then she repeats herself again. And he just laughs and he just splits after that. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. Just a scumbag. And so she's like super pissed off. And we'll get back to her in a minute. Because from here, we cut back to... Williams and tracksuit and they're at Roscoe's and they got a gun to Roscoe. <laughs> I don't think that's legal, but okay. I don't think so either. I love her though. Sure. Williams is no, great. Yeah, me too. She's on the phone and she's like, Oh, Ramrod's Ram uh, Ramrod's driving a 1979 Ford Burham, uh, just repainted blue. And like, Oh, we got, and also send a team to fast Eddie's bar. Cause Ramrod got a gun from there. And, and she's like, all right, Roscoe did a good job basically like, <laughs> and he's like yeah and he's got a gun pointed to his face it's yeah, great yeah it's great from there you cut to back to the hotel princess's hotel that now ramrod knows about so there's a little bit of tension there you're yeah. like oh shit what the hell's going on because you know he's going to show up sooner rather than later but mrs crookshank <laughs> the um, manager who's the manager who's playing like mahjong with her uh old friend mr Asian wong dude. Yeah, he looks like Key Luke from from um, Kung Fu. You yeah, know? yeah, and it's a really it's, this is a kind of a humorous moment. So she she calls down to Mrs. Crookshank and and says, you know, can I get some clean sheets for my room? And uh, and she kind of blows her off. She hangs up the phone and she's like, oh yeah, fine. Oh, Princess needs clean sheets. Oh, kind of like. Yeah, like yeah, like mocking her, like Smokes oh look at, at this her. this princess needing her clean sheets. She knows yeah. she knows she's running a horse hotel here. Yeah, and then she blows her off, and then she goes back to playing mahjong with with her uh, <laughs> Mr. You know, Wong, Asian friend. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is Mr. Wong. From there, you're back to Walsh and Edwards in a car, and they're like, no one's found shit. No one, you know, they're still searching, right? From there, you cut back to the hotel and princess is leaving. She's in the lobby with Mrs. Crookshank and Mrs. Crookshank's like, Oh, aren't we the, aren't we the popular one tonight? She says, someone's waiting for you in the parking lot. And I'm like, Oh shit. It's gotta be Ramrod, right? You think, it's gotta be Ramrod. yeah, you think it's going to be Ramrod. Yeah. And she goes, Oh, he asked for you by name. And suddenly the music gets menacing yeah. too. And I wrote that down. I'm like, this music is very Carpenter esque. Yeah. Uh, because it's, I like, I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, I and was, I was sold. I mean, I was like, oh my god, she's gonna fucking walk outside to the ramrod. This is it. I knew. Yeah, I was convinced. Right. So princess goes outside, 
And suddenly there's a dude dressed like a limo driver comes out of the shadows, which scared me. I was like, yeah, oh, shit, because I thought it was Ramrod. Yeah. And scares her, too. And tell us who that is. <laughs> and it's Michael Ensign from fucking Ghostbusters. The the guy who runs the Sedgwick, the the, the boy's first bust, you know, the Slimer bust, uh, the Sedgwick guy. It's fucking him, man. I'm like, yeah. Michael Ensign, holy shit. As a as a limo driver. Yeah, as, as a chauffeur. Yeah, as a chauffeur, sorry. And uh, and he says, you know, I was referred, you were referred to me by a Ms. Coco. Uh, my employer would like you, would like you for some services. And they walk to this limo, Cadillac or whatever, and drive off. Now we're back at Dorsey's, and he's getting carted away on a gurney, crying. <laughs> and... Um, there's a cop there uh, who reveals that Dorsey got his gonads cut off. Yeah. He's, cu- he's talking to uh, talking to Walsh on the CB, and he's like, it might have been your boy. And at that same moment, Brooks, this cop, this other random cop, reveals that Ramrod knows that Princess is at the Golden Hotel. Yeah. So Walsh says, oh, shit. That's on the other side of the, the strip, essentially. And that's when yeah. they, they, they hook a, they hang a bitch and, and spin around. But I like that. That's when I realized that this movie, it's always aware of the geography of Los Angeles. And it's always aware of where its players are. Yeah, which is really cool because, you know, formulaic cop movies up until this point were very, like, you know, dragnet type shit back in the day uh and the, the, granted there were other more intense cop movies prior to this but i was just like you know this stuff now is cliche back then it wasn't cliche yet and so this is really cool to see like the geography being very accurate in a film well even even in tough turf i mean we we noticed that like when when he was when james spader's character was going to different places they would be like he's in the valley then he's in on sunset or he's he's in santa monica then he's back in the valley we even noted that like the geography was wrong, but here it's so refreshing to see the opposite of that, where the geography is 100% correct all the time. I yeah. That is one thing I love, the attention to detail that I love in this movie. Yeah, Tough Turf gets a pass I just mean, because everything because, else about it is amazing. Because Tough Turf. <laughs> Tough Turf gets yeah. a pass because it's fucking oh. awesome. Who can, turf, I'm yeah. never going to shit on Tough Turf, trust me. <laughs> no. But I love no, the no. fact that you do see correct geography here. Totally, totally. Um so from there, they yeah they 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 swoop around and start heading back to the hotel, and they radio all the cops to to hit the hotel. Cut to the Golden Hotel, and Ramrod is there with uh, Crookshank, and he grabs her. Oh, so so this is a really interesting thing. I'm going to back up just slightly. Uh, you cut to the Golden Hotel, and Mrs. Crookshank is like. I don't know if she's like listening in on a conversation or something, but her head's kind of down by the like operating booth. Yeah. And suddenly right behind her, Ramrod just appears and he's like, where's princess? princess?" And it's It's like a a real quick cut. Yeah. Yeah. It's so intense. And then it cuts back to the cops. So now Mendez and Kowalski are, are uh, 
driving through traffic and Kowalski now look, I wrote, I said, he looks like Bill Lambeer after Bill Lambeer got in a fight with uh, Charles Barkley back in the eighties with that broken nose. Yeah. And and I love the fact that they have a full on like nose brace on him. His, both of his eyes are black. Like I feel like the makeup person really said, okay, what is he going to look like if he breaks his, if he has a broken nose? It, yeah. As, as much as, as it looked explosive, when Wingshauser kicked him, it's it's sold by the fact that moving forward, Kowalski has now this, like, he just looks like his face was kicked in. And this yeah. scene right here is so interesting because you get this conversation between Kowalski. It's a cool it's, it, Between Kowalski and Mendez, and it's really fucking cool. But it, it's a, it's an insight into their little, like, world. You know, Mendez is upset that, that Kowalski's driving so erratically. Kowalski's like, you know, what are you worried about? You know, we're staring down a barrel of a gun soon, basically, because Ramrod. And, and then he starts talking about how, like, this is why I have nightmares every night. And then Mendez is like, those aren't nightmares, those are dreams. And that's it. That's all the conversation. I'm like, I want a whole fucking movie about Kowalski and Mendez. Like, there is so yeah. much character there, and you only get, like, this one 30-second, this one 45-second conversation to kind of suss out what their relationship is, and there is so much information, just so much relationship information in this one little minute-long clip. It's, I was like, at first I was like, this is weird, this is kind of weird tonally because it's almost comedic, but at the same time, I loved it because it was just a little cross section of their world, of their conversation, of their lives. Everything about, like, once I kind of sat back after my first viewing, I was like, this is just one night. All we're seeing is one night of these people's lives, and they have conversations. You know as well as I do, Zach, like, we have conversations that go on for multiple months, if not years. So, like, yeah. Like, so of course not everyone's going to be talking about stuff that's just related to tonight, you know, this is why this, this was the second reason. Like, this is kind of like where I was like, Oh, Oh, I love this movie so much because they did not have to put this dialogue or this little scene between Kowalski and Mendez at all in the movie. No, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually, it just, it's great character. It's great character development. It is. And it really gets it. Yeah. And it only gets better when they engage Wong. I, I and I just want to back up too because when when uh, Kowalski, the one who's driving erratically, Men, uh, Mendez is like, "Cool, it's your big palooka." <laughs> I just love that he calls him a palooka. A big so, palooka. Anyways, yeah. yeah, they roll up onto the hotel to find Mrs. C. Uh, Crookshank on the ground, and she and he's like, "What the?" He-? Kowalski's like, "What the hell happened here?" And Crookshank's like, "You pigs are always alike." day later and a dollar short. <laughs> of course. And then uh Kowalski's like, "The Mr. the Mr. the Mr. Cleaver tap dance through here." And then that's when Mr. Wong comes out and he's like, "Hey, don't yell at her." And you're like, "Whoa, wait." He's like, "She's my friend. You better leave her alone." And Kowalski says, and this is a quote because it's racist. He's like, "Get this ornament Get this ornamental out of my face. He said ornamental. And, it was yeah, which is it's so, so racist. Like I was like I was like, did he say oriental? No. He says ornamental. I was like, yeah. wow, what an asshole. What an asshole. And then I love this. Uh Mr. Wong steps steps back into like a crane pose, you know, and then Kowalski gets scared because he 
because he's like, no, don't, don't, not my no, nose. No, you know, not my he's face. Like, I don't want to yeah. get in the face. <laughs> and uh, and then that's when Mendez is like, oh, okay, Bruce Lee, enough of that shit. And he's like, my name's Wong, not Lee. And he takes them both fucking down. He throws yeah. both of them all over the place, just starts beating the shit out of both of them. It's great. Mendez goes to hit him. He gets thrown away. Uh, and then he gets thrown into Kowalski's face, yeah. which is hilarious because Kowalski's like, no, my nose. And, and then Walsh and Edwards, you know, pop in right at this moment and they tell him to freeze. And I love this because Wong's hands immediately go up. He's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I d- no, I, I and, and Wong has what what is amazingly awesome about this scene is Wong is so gleefully destroying yeah. them. I mean, and here's the thing. He's not like punching them at all. He is, he's doing the, uh, I apologize to everybody. It's Tai Chi or something, but he's redirecting movement. So like when they, when, when Kowalski or Mendez go at him, he just basically redirects it and throws them. So he's not like landing any punches, but he is throwing them everywhere and they are destroying like chairs and benches and stuff. They, I mean, it's, it, he's emasculating them. And again, so as much as I want a movie about Kowalski and Mendez, I also want just a movie about Mr. Wong and Mrs. Mrs. C or whatever her name is. Like this movie has Hook-shank, so yeah. many amazing characters and this is it. This is all we see Wong for. There's, there's nothing else yep. with him. This is it. And he yeah, but- shines so brightly in this movie. Yeah, because he gets arrested at this yeah, point. Yeah, and he happily gets arrested because he just beat up two guys, two cops that were like half his age. I mean, they were being dicks. They, they were being it. They dicks. totally deserved it. Yeah, totally deserved it. So, yeah, and, and Walsh immediately, because th- there's like comic fodder going on, which is great to relieve some of the tension yeah. that's clearly at, at work here. And But then you go right back to the tension because Walsh goes to Kowalski. He's like, where's Ramrod? And Kowalski's getting up and he's like, we missed him. We missed him. We missed him both. And then Kowalski like, says to himself, he's like, what a way to make a living. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when... W- Wong is laughing and Mendez is like, I want to shoot him, but they kind of blow it yeah, off. Yeah, Kowalski's like, How would that look on the six o'clock news? But yeah, the whole time Mr. Wong is just just ear to ear grinning. Big and I, lo- I love Mr. Wong. <laughs> and then Walsh, so do I, so do I. And Walsh, Walsh goes over to grill Crookshank and she's like, I didn't tell Ramrod nothing. And you know, and he's like, Bullshit. He, he knows that she's lying. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life, strange-but-true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. And now, back to the show. From there, Ramrod's on the street, and he sees Dixie, one of Princess's girls. From from the bar before. She, from the, the bar. She's the African-American lady. Yep, and he pulls pulls over to her, and he's like, he's like, come over, come over to the car. And you can tell she's kind of hesitant. 
and uh, Ram- Ramrod asks uh, about the the limo Princess is in, and Dixie says, "Oh, that's Coco's gig," and he's like, "Well, who's?" Uh, and Ram that's when Ramrod grabs her, like pulls her into the car yeah. face first, and he like puts a knife to her, and he's like, "Who's Coco, bitch?" And Dixie's like, "Right over there, down the street," terrified. And Ramrod lets her go, and he drives off, and he pulls up to Coco. The Asian girl from the Heavenly, one of Princess's uh, friends. And he's like, hello, beautiful. And Coco's like, you a cop? And he goes, what, I look like some fucking pig? And she goes, well, maybe you're looking for a date. And he goes, yeah. Why don't you come closer? Man, I hear you're good. I hear you're real good. Are you real good? And she goes, well, I ain't had no complaints. And she gets closer to him. And then that's when Ramrod pulls her into the car. And he's like, where did the Cadillac take the princess? And he starts driving off with her halfway yeah. hanging out of the car. Dangling out of the fucking car. Uh, it's terrifying. She's like, she's fucking shitting bricks. She's yeah. so scared. Yeah. And there, from there, you cut to the, the limo Cadillac uh, that princess was in. They're pulling up to this big... Uh, mansion. Did, in, did in, you notice a weird cut here? So you might have been taking notes, maybe. but when um, the car pulls up to the mansion, it's like the shot, they cut like a few frames of it just to kind of quicken it up, probably of the actors getting out of the car, but it, get, it gets up to the top of the hill or where it is and it turns off the lights, it kind of parks, but it's just, you can see the cut and that happens later during the tailing scene where you could see the cut that they made in the same shot and everything. It was just like, okay. yeah, again, I'm going to put point these out, but none of these gaffes deter from this movie. If anything, Gaffs like this make the movie just more enjoyable because the movie in itself is so intense. It's like you almost need these gaffs to kind of take you out of the movie just for a second because, man, this movie's fucked up if you really want to, like, live in it, you know, for 97 minutes. Yeah, because right after that scene happens, you cut back to Ramrod dumping a now beat-to-shit Coco in the trash. Yeah. He throws her in the trash on the street. Yeah, like, my only my only negative note on that is because Coco, the actress who's playing Coco, is wearing such tight pants, you can see the knee pads underneath her pants because, oh, I didn't see because she's going to crawl on her hands and knees in a little bit. And I was just like, oh, there's the knee pads right no, there. Those are, those are called Hollywood tennis shoes. You know what? I, you know what I told myself? I was like, nah, that's just her boots pulled up. That's all. But guys and gals, it's really knee pads but it's okay well but the girls back in the day used that used to be standard uh standard standard wear for uh for a lady of the night because they spend most of their time on their knees so you know what you're probably right about that and i will accept that as canon and now there is no problem with this scene whatsoever (laughs) thank you Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so from there, we cut back to Princess. She's back in inside the mansion. Bring on the next gaff. Try to explain <laughs> oh, this man. one, buddy. <laughs> no, this is this, this is, is quite possibly <laughs> one of the best gaffs I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm gonna say that right now. It's one of the best because I've actually we see a lot of boom mics. In our, yeah, in our time. yeah. This is but, this is. This is quote unquote worse than the mutant. This is worse this because is, in mutant you only yeah. see the boom mic, you don't see the guy. Here, 
<laughs> you see the arm and ever the half of the head, so, everything. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we should start a poll to see if every Wings Hauser movie has a gaff like this in it. I mean, you're two for two right now. Yeah, which I'm happy about. I know because this is this is this one's great. Uh, okay, so yeah, Princess is inside a mansion. She's going upstairs with uh, the driver. Uh, he's like holding her elbow, like very like intently, almost to the point where you like forcefully. And I'm, I'm looking at it like this feels really weird. Um, they go up the stairs of this mansion into this room. And when they do, there's like a curtain on in the room, which is kind of creepy. And they start to open up the curtain and they close the door. Yeah. And it to me, like we've seen enough horror films in our time where it just felt very eerie yeah. and creepy. Agreed. Creepy as shit. That scene closes, and we're approaching one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yes! One of my favorite bizarre scenes. There's a paper boy loading newspapers into a newsstand. Right right next to a subway entrance that goes down underground. Yes, yes. It's one of those, I think it's one of those entrances that you use to go under the street so you don't cross the street. Okay. Like it'll take you across the street, right? But it's a deep, probably like a a 10 foot drop. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's high enough that it looks like it could do some damage. And as this kid's loading the newspapers in, uh, Ramrod comes up right behind him, lifts him up and throws him down the... Whatever, yeah, whatever that is. That that yeah, he just he just walks up, tosses him, and it's yeah, just like lifts him up from behind, just walks up, like he just lifts his legs up. It's like whoop, just like flips him over, ba boom, dead. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's dead because in a minute they're gonna cut back to the kid on the ground. That's what is absolutely fucking amazing about this little one minute scene. Yeah. Wings Ramrod tosses him over. The the kid was ha, has a pickup truck in the back of the pickup trucks. The newspapers. The truck's still running because you know obviously he wasn't expecting to get thrown Slow over. Papers in. and so yeah. of course you know Ramrod gets in the truck and takes off. But the whole time the camera's like after he gets tossed over, the camera keeps sort of dolling to the right, tracking you know um, uh, Wingshauser tracking Ramrod getting in the car, and then you see it pulls back and it looks down, and you see the body at the bottom, and I. I watch this multiple times to try to figure out how they did it. So yeah. the only thing I can think of, you can tell that there's kind of a curvature that the, the it goes around. I think there was a crew of people down there. When the kid gets tossed over, they just catch him. You know what I mean? They catch him there. Yeah. And then they place him down because that is still the same actor laying on the ground afterwards. And I think yeah. the people that helped him just moved and ran around the back of the wall, essentially. Yep. Um, that's the only thing I could figure out how they do it because you see all of the entrance so there's no you can see that there's no wires there's no nothing anywhere so the only thing i can think of is and it's still too far for him to to kind of drop so the only thing i can think of is that there was like three or four guys down there that grabbed him and then you know he kind of helped them down and then at the course of the scene put him down there but guys and gals in this movie this little scene is so amazingly crafted that I feel like it should be like looked at for for film students. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. it's so good, and I don't even know how they. I, I'm just assuming how they did it. I don't know how they did it, and it's amazing. Yeah, I wonder if this is like one of the scenes that Martin Scorsese saw, and he's like, "Wow, that was really well done." It was, what dude. That, I mean, that is that is like. That is literally like mastercraft right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, at this point, like Ramrod is like 
we've already known he's a piece of shit and it's even worse, you know, just he gets progressively worse as time goes on. Um, and, and, and th- he just killed like a poor little innocent paperboy. Yeah. Who's just doing his job. Yeah. Poor kid. Yeah. Um, it's so fucked. Up. And then you're right. That scene is masterful. It I is. totally agree. And then speaking of, uh, from master filming to the complete opposite <laughs> in the moment, we cut back to princess coming out of the room that she was in and she's in like wedding lingerie. She's wearing a bridal uh, head piece, but she's wearing lingerie yeah, and the music. It's, it's all white. I mean, she, it's, yeah. it, it's, a, it's like a, it's like a wedding dress, but very sexually lingerieified. And Oh, it's full on lingerie. Not going to yeah. lie. Kind of turned on by it. <laughs> Well, well, you'll be happy. Well, then you're in good company because uh, uh, the, the the wedding march is playing. Here comes the bride and the entire house is filled with candles and she's coming down the stairs and she's like looking very hesitant. She's holding a, a bouquet and the driver now escorts her down the stairs. Um, yeah, Princess looks super nervous and she Princess asks, you know, uh, she goes, what the? And then suddenly the driver cuts her off and he's like, not a word. You agreed. And he opens up this door that's like underneath the staircase, a room. And the driver puts her in the room and he closes the door and then he locks it. And she's looking around and suddenly the music changes and it's the, the, the death march. Yeah. Like the death march music. Yeah. And, 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 picture, and picture this. Picture this. The camera is dolling backwards as she's walking in, so we don't see the scene at all. But we she, don't see what she's. We looking don't see at. what she's looking at. But she looks concerned and she looks, you know, unsure. And as the as as the camera's dolling back and she's she's doing a great job. Season is doing a wonderful job. Yeah, we see at the end of the shot. We see on the right hand side of the on screen. On the right hand side, yeah. We see yep. an arm. A side of a head, and the, he, I think they're holding a camera. And ha- yeah, they are. They're holding, holding a camera. camera. So, so Corey, Corey's first thought is, oh, okay, so there's people in that room. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay, got it. Understood. I get it. Cool. Great. Got it. Now, cut to wider master shot of you know, kind of seeing what she's looking at. It's like a a coffin or something there, but with a dead guy in the coffin. Yeah. But there's no one else around. So that was crew. Oops. That was crew that we saw. And my question to you is, what were they filming then? Like, what was that person like filming? I think they were just trying to get a different shot potentially. You know, as well as I do in film, you don't use multiple cameras or you don't usually use multiple cameras, but I don't know. Did you notice on that, on that shot where you saw him, it was grainy. So I'm almost thinking you're right. I'm almost thinking that wasn't maybe the main shot they were going to use. That was a master shot. Maybe they didn't yeah. get the shot that the guy was doing. Maybe something fucked up on the camera outtake. and they had to use that master shot the entire time. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that's what happened. Okay. And it, it is, it is classic though. Cause <laughs> yeah. like I said earlier, we've seen a lot of boom mics fall in our time, but we've never seen just, uh, another cameraman on screen you're like wait that guy's not supposed to be there yeah. and he's just gone like 35 percent of a human we've never oh, seen it's great that's oh, great i loved it i loved it i, I laughed out loud again dude. guys this doesn't take it all away from this movie whatsoever no it's wonderful it makes it, it makes hilarious. it better it makes it amazing so what and and this whole sequence is great because from here you know, she approaches the coffin of this dead guy as this music is playing, 
And then suddenly the dead guy just lunges out at her and he's laughing and princess is screaming and she's pissed. Right. And she starts yelling at him, swearing at him. And she's like, he almost gave me a goddamn heart attack. And he's like, the man, suddenly the man goes, Oh, you ruined it. Slut. Yeah. <laughs> and Robert, and, and he yells out, Roberts, I told you not to, I told her not to talk. You ruined it. And she goes, I could have died of a fucking heart attack. And he's crying. And man, like, he's like, yeah, he's you like, He's like, and he, of course, he's super old, by the way. He's really yeah, old. Yeah, super old dude. And he's whining and he's crying. And he calls for Roberts, the driver. And he's like, Roberts, she talked. Get that slut out of here. And he's crying like a baby. <laughs> and Roberts is like taking her out. And Princess is like, you belong in a loony bin, you son of a bitch. And he takes her, as he's taking her out, he... Uh, Roberts like takes her up to, to change and he's like, there will be a cab waiting for you. And then suddenly he like stops mid sentence and he goes, do you work every night? And she's like, huh? What? What? And he goes, because tomorrow's my night off. And what, will you be working tomorrow night? Mm-hmm. Like he wants to get with her. Oh, and Michael she, Ensign, you sleaze. She goes, I'll be in church asking God to forgive that old fuck. And Robert's kind of just like chuckles. <laughs> and then she runs up, storms up the stairs. And then he throws down, she throws down the bouquet at him and he catches it. And he like looks up at her and he's like, oh, kind of like sad about the fact that she's leaving. Suddenly Ramrod cut to Ramrod pulling up to the mansion and you're thinking, oh, shit. And there's a cab waiting out front, like he's, like uh, Robert said. Cut to Coco. Back to Coco, who has now pulled herself out of the dumpster area oh, onto Coco. the street. Just looking, just beat to shit. And the cops just pull right up in front of her, and they find Coco. And she kind of, like, she, she motions like she's still alive, but then she kind of collapses. And the cops radio Walsh and Edwards. And suddenly, you know, they... they they report that they found her, they found Coco, and they and they floor it to that location. And as they're doing that, they drive right past a taxi cab and right past a white truck that was filled with newspapers, which is Ramrod, yeah. who's now tailing the cab. And I'm just like, no, this is a great moment yeah. because I feel like it, it's it's a, actually it's perfect. Of course, the cops aren't looking for a white truck. And they're not looking for a cab because they don't know where Princess is. They think Ramrod is in a blue Ford. Yeah. Um, so there's got no reason to, to be looking. And it's it's just perfect because you're like, oh, they're so close. They're so close, right? From there, Princess gets out of her cab and she's like in a shopping center. Uh, there's like a little burger joint, outdoor burger place. Uh, there's a dude selling. I, I take it this is like, got to be three or four in the morning yeah and there's yeah. a dude and a by a van selling like stuffed animals uh, outside in the parking lot which is weird and she walks over to the stuffed animals and uh and you see in, in the distance behind her ramrod parking with his truck he's just sitting there and so it's super tentious uh tension super tension going on and she's like looking at all the different stuffed animals and she picks up this like shitty little bunny rabbit puppet yeah it's like the worst looking yeah. piece of shit but she goes to buy it and then she goes to a payphone in the in the same parking lot and she calls her ma 
And suddenly Blue Chip and Dixie walk up to the burger spot and they're arguing. Blue Chip's pissed off at Dixie yeah. because she for calling out Coco, rightfully so. Yeah, of course. She, but, she gave up Co- Coco. Yeah, yeah. And Coco's Coco's like, I was scared, you know. And Or Dixie I, said I was scared. Or sorry, Dixie Dixie's like, I was scared and uh and, and they're just kind of going back and forth about what had happened. And suddenly Blue Chip spots uh, princess in the parking lot and she's like oh we should tell her about ramrod and right at that moment it's almost like ramrod heard what was going on because right at that moment ramrod makes his move he starts driving towards he hits the gas and he starts driving into the parking lot towards princess and he hits dixie yeah dixie with gets his truck dixie gets fucking killed here i think she right? gets killed she's yeah i think she's dead it's like blue chip uh, screams when she's like looking at her and you don't really even see what dixie looks like so i'm like oh fuck no yeah i think she got run over I, by ramrod yeah me too and 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 then because they're they're going to try and warn princess but it's too late princess runs out of the phone booth that she's in down like an alleyway and then uh, that's big enough for a truck to follow because Ramrod follows right past her. Oh, he so Ramrod like drives. He he drive he goes to drive into the phone booth, but she gets out of it and takes off. But he drove into the storefront of this yeah. this store. Yeah. After he hit Dixie, and then as she, and, then, and then as she's running through the alley, he he goes around, and she's a moron because she's like ah, ah, you know do the run thing, ah, looking behind yeah, her and yeah. like runs right into the truck that's in front of her. I'm like, oh princess, come on. Yeah, there, there's a homeless, and then this is another homeless person moment because yeah. there's a homeless dude on, who's like yelling at, uh, yelling like, hey lady, are you okay, lady? Yeah. And then she. Uh, Ramrod, she she runs into the truck. She falls down on the ground. Ramrod opens up the door and pulls her into the truck, leg f- legs first, yeah, upside down like a fucking maniac, muscle man. And he closes the door and drives off. And the it's like a like a Cinderella moment where her slippers on the ground, and the homeless guy picks up the slipper and he's like, "Somebody call the cops!" <laughs> yeah. And it's a cool moment because you're like. Oh, homeless dude knows what's up. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's concerned. Yeah. Um, I like that. I really, I really that. like that. I thought that was really, really cool. Me too. Me too. From there, you cut back to the mansion. Uh, the cops are now questioning Robert, the driver, and saying that Princess had just left. Um, and Kowalski runs up to, uh, to, sorry, Walsh and Edwards are at the mansion talking to Roberts. And, um, Kowalski runs up to Walsh and he says, you know, Ramrod's got her and they're on Van Ness heading towards, you know, Santa Monica or something like that. And they all split. And, uh, and Roberts looks like turned on. He's like, Ooh, Ooh. Some, I, I don't know. He look, he does. He looks kind of weird. <laughs> such a fucking creep. Uh, anyways, cut back to, this is where it gets really intense. Oh, so yeah, th- this, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you cut to Ramrod in the truck, Ramrod and princess in the truck. And Ramrod is like, you know, he, he's holding on to her and he's, and he's just, he's fucking with her. He's like, uh, you know, she, she's like trying to scratch, she's trying to get free from Ramrod and he's like squeezing her head and like, you know, uh, she, she tries to scratch his face and then you cut to, uh, Walsh and Edwards, you know, driving, looking, everyone's searching for, uh, for the truck. Every, every cop is out now. Biker cops are out now. 
And then random biker cops spot the white truck that it drives right past them. And then so this is a really cool moment because the cops slowly move in on Ramrod and Princess. They're all communicating back and forth to each other. I'm on this street. You're on that street. Like, you move this way. I'll move this way. It's a really cool strategic scene. This whole scene, scene is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie because I've never seen a tailing scene this good before and it's, yeah, it's not very tense there's a lot of tension. it's tense it's not very exciting but it, it's very i assume correct you know what i mean like i i liked it it's not just one car sitting back you know a couple lights and tailing them there's a whole thing going on which is so fucking good like seriously the closest i've ever seen to something like this is in the wire and and that's why i think this movie's fucking awesome is because they really try to make it as realistic as possible and this tailing scene is a great example of the 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 time and effort they're really trying to put into this movie to make it accurate yeah they they are you know cutting back and forth between each cop in every car and they're cutting be- back to ramrod and princess and it just feels so like uh you know urgent there's mm-hmm. such a sense of urgency because they they don't want to move in too fast because walsh is like if we move in too fast uh ramrod's gonna kill her yeah they're gonna so make her back yeah. off yeah don't yeah, get burned so, like she said don't get burned and then like even the the female cop and track track cop are following and then even she's like all right we're gonna back off because i think we're gonna get burned soon like she can sense it and i love that so she'll fall off someone else will pick up like kowalski's like we're yeah. paralleling them it's so good they're like working as a unit they're working as a team it's so fucking awesome i love it i love it too and eventually uh ramrod and princess wind up in some old like warehouse district of downtown LA which i know so fucking well bro like especially when they go up into this uh like a part like whatever this studio oh yeah. my god this was my entire like first 5 years in LA was working for a photographer that had a studio like this complete with with the seamless paper that that you know she tries to hide behind later but oh my god yeah. and i've partied at so many fucking apartments that were these like you know photography studio live work apartments in downtown dude i was like oh my god this movie's this movie's me (laughs) minus the uh the pimp daddy minus all the 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 horribleness yes yeah the horrible (laughs) stuff (laughs) so yeah so they 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 get to this old warehouse um ramrod brings her up to this like the fifth floor of this place uh, which is like his torture room uh he throws her on this bed and then you know there's all the sex toys all around her and like in S and M stuff. And she grabs like this leather billy club kind of thing. And she hits him over the head. I thought it was a big black dildo. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? It probably <laughs> it was. Like and it, yeah. uh, she kicked him and she, she gets up and goes to split at this point. Now all the cops are slowly starting to pour in Edwards and Walsh are the last ones to arrive, but, but uh, basically they're waiting until, until everyone's there before they move in. Um, and then you cut back to Ramrod in on the fifth floor and he's like, I'm going to find you, bitch. <laughs> and, and he's got the, Princess, this is when he has a call in his eyes, right? From earlier. Yeah. She, she clawed yeah, his eyes in the, in the she, elevator, in the elevator. Yeah. She clawed him in the face and, um, and 
princess is hiding behind like red partition paper. What princess is hiding behind is called a seamless. And that is what, uh, it's a piece of paper that you roll out. You have the, the photo, the photographer, you, the, the person stands on that. So she's, she's behind it actually. And the studio that I worked at had like hundreds of different colors, seamlesses you could roll out, but it's just cardboard paper. That's all it is. So that way you can light the person they can stand in front of and you have a solid color background and it's called a seamless well it seamlessly can show her shadow yeah it's just paper because i mean it's just paper it's the worst hiding. place to hide behind in the entire studio granted she's probably panicking yeah, and doesn't know what course, to do i'll give that i'll give her a little bit of leeway there but ramrod rips right through the paper and grabs her and he puts he wraps the whip around her throat super fast like a like a alligator almost yeah. and he's like it's over Right, and he's choking her. Uh, cut back to Walsh and Edwards finally showing up, and they're talking to the rest of the cops to discuss the layout of the building. Like Walsh and Edwards are going to go up the fire escape, uh, while the other guys go up the stairs because the elevator's been turned off. Um, cuts back to Ramrod, who now has Princess on the bed, chained up, and he's popping her. Uh, he's got he has a switchblade on her on her dress and he's popping off the buttons with the switchblade and he's trying and he's like, you know, going, Oh yes, I love it. I love it. And, uh, and he's like, you say no, but I say yes. And like, Oh, it's just super he's, creepy yeah, shit. Evil, evil, disgusting, evil, evil. And the cops are finally getting closer. They're going up the stairs. Uh, you know, princess, princess is freaking out. And, you see now Ramrod has a hanger in his hand and he's making a pimp stick uh, to hit Princess with. And this is like number, you know, three or four of just awesome acting from season because yes. she knows what's coming. She saw her friend Ginger in the hospital or dead. You know, she knows what's coming. She knows this is the the tool that he's going to use. And she's like, nah! you know, she's tied up. It is so intense it's so gut-wrenching and it's because season hubley is just crushing it this entire movie again this entire movie she is a 10 always like as far as professionalism as far as like acting goes she is peak performance this entire movie it's wild yeah she it, it is it is so intense it is so creepy um, and, and the whole time you're like, come on guys, hurry up to the cops. You're like, hurry yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. What is taking you guys so long to get there? Because they're finally at the door and he hasn't hit her with the pimp stick yet. It's almost like they're waiting. I'm I like, know. What are you waiting for? And then he does and, hit her. And he does hit her. She wails out a scream. They don't show it, but they just, you know, she wails out a scream. And that's when, uh, the cops barge in, they shoot at Ramrod he shoots back. He hits Kowalski. Of course, he fucking drops Kowalski. Fucking glutton for punishment. I mean, it's 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 intense. It's fast. Like right when they bust through the door, like there's another cop that like kind of gets knocked back as Kowalski's getting shot, and the cop shoots the ceiling. It's it's a very just. And then all, at the same time, Walsh is bounced jumping through the window. It's intense, but I felt bad because I was like, I was literally like Kowalski, no. Nah! I mean, he yeah. fucking drops like a sack of shit. 
Yeah, this does not go like you no, would expect no, it to no. go because you you figure they they well, bust in. Well, this, this goes actually them. exactly how I expected it to go. <laughs> well, this goes how we would hope it would <laughs> yeah. go because most of the time you're like, oh, they they bust in, they kill him, the movie's over, yeah, right? Yeah. No, he shoots back at them and he and he splits, he runs, he jumps out the window, fucking out uh, the window, onto the roof of the building, like the like the not the top roof, but like the sub roof, yeah, something know? like that, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. or next door and, roof, whatever. But he he basically just jumps out the fucking. Way. It's a great stunt. It's a really good oh, stunt. So great. It, like Ramrod is a maniac. He's a maniac, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he bolts. He bolts, and they're shooting at him. He's shooting back. It's like a full on gun gunfight going on. At, at this point now, you know. Uh, Williams is like the, uh, the female cop, you know, she's, she's checking on princess and Walsh runs over to check on her. And I love this. Cause she just like princess just says, just get him. Get him. Like she just, like, you know, super aggressively um, ramrods on the roof. He's yeah. He's making his way like down the building. Uh, he eventually makes it to the street. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy is just has nine fucking lives. A van is driving down the street. He flags it down. He doesn't pull the guy out of the van. He like moves the guy over. Edwards runs out to stop him. He gets shot. Yeah. Uh, and Ramrod takes off in the van. Suddenly stops, throws the guy out of the the driver out of the car. The guy that driver is down on the ground. Uh, Walsh runs out after him, gets in his car and follows. Tracksuit checks on Edwards, who's been shot. Uh, yeah, Edwards you know, isn't dead. He's like shot in the leg or something. Yeah, no one, no one's dead yet. Yeah, even Walsh, Kowalski isn't dead, which is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Walsh is um, Walsh is driving, chasing after Ramrod. Uh, Ramrod thinks he loses uh, Walsh in uh, in like an underpass of like a train train it's all the train tracks i mean in downtown la and, and this is still like east la this is exactly where they're supposed to be this is what i love about this movie as someone who's lived down in this area i'm like oh they are shooting in all the places they are actually supposed to be that's one thing i love about this fucking movie yeah, it's super cool. It's it's literally Boyle Heights yeah. district, mm-hmm. um, and and which we saw in Savage Streets. It's it's around the part where in Savage Streets he throws her off the the bridge. It's like all around that area, but it's kind yeah. of like it's not on the bridge. It's kind of in the ground below it, you know, in there on the ground below where there was like train. There's train tracks mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and 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 so uh, Ramrod uh, is trying to lose Walsh. But uh, he keeps getting away from Walsh, yeah. you know, he's, and, and he like drives around a corner. Walsh doesn't see him. He drives out on, on out the other side of this like concrete pillar. And Walsh has to like kind of like hang a bitch to grab him. Yeah. I mean, uh, fucking ramrods. He's he's doing pretty good, as you know, driving it. He sure is. And and um, except for this point, yes, because well, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he thinks he's he thinks he got away and he's like looking. He looks behind him to see where Walsh is, doesn't see where he's going. And he drives into the, like this big concrete overhang mm-hmm. um, and it and it literally starts to rip the top of the van off. Yeah. It would have ripped his head off if he hadn't ducked under the seat. Right. Instinctively. It's, it's, smart, yeah, it's, it's one of those scenarios where if the character didn't re- literally duck, he would have been killed right there. His head would have just been, yeah. So he ducks, he gets under the seat. He 
miraculously jumps out of the van, yeah. like fully alert and ready to rock. Like immediately. He super high on cocaine. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like when he uh, got out of the, the clutches of Kowalski and Mendez. Like, it's so quick. Like, he's, he's on his feet. I'm at, I'm it, guys. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Cocaine. Cocaine, baby. And uh, he just instantly recovers. He shoots at Walsh. He hits Walsh yeah. in the arm. Uh, runs off. Walsh recovers. He's still in his car. Yeah. He drives after him. Uh, Ramrod like runs now. He's like, you know, again, they're in the same like train track area. There's like a, a fenced off part of the, of the, of the, of the, it's probably, it's the same part of town as literally the climax of, of Savage Streets where she tracks him down to that warehouse or that remember they, that was the, their gang hangout was that, like yes. that warehouse area. It's like that. It's all down in that area. The, the, you know what the fashion district, the, the sock the district, district and yeah. shit, you know, the toy district yeah. and shit. Yeah. And, and, and like, uh, Ramrod runs behind like a, a, a fenced off, uh, runs behind a fence that it's like also boarded up as well. And he thinks, and he's hiding, you know, behind like tires or some shit. And, uh, Walsh just barrels through the fence with his car after Ramrod. And I love this. I love this. He crashes through the fence. Ramrod hops on top of the car. <laughs> he's now on top of the car. Another bad stunt man, by the way. Yeah. On yeah, top. Yeah. And, uh, Walsh drives him off kind of swerves the car so he falls off the car and, and i like ramrod, when, when ramrod falls off the car he fires off a shot like it's not a, a shot like on purpose it's it's a you know it's by mistake because he's but i like that i like when you see stuff like that you know like as he's rolling off the hood he fires off a shot because yeah of course he's holding on to the gun he's gonna pull the trigger yeah i like yeah. that i like it it's it's ugly it's messy that's life you know that that's oh, yeah. that's what i love about this movie dude it's so it's so messy and ugly and and I love this I love this sequence here because after he knocks him off Walsh drives the car up Ramrod's now backed up against the wall. Yeah. Walsh drives the car right up to his face. Like and he's, so he's, he's stuck. pinning yeah, he's kind of pinning him. He can't he can't yeah. move like the left side of him is kind of pinned. Yeah, he's all pinned. Yeah, he can't move at all, really. And uh and I love this now because Walsh kicks the windshield out of his car yeah. and he's got a gun pointed right on Ramrod and Ramrod, like they first show Ramrod's face, like looking super freaked out and scared. And then they cut back to Walsh's face looking super intense and Walsh just pulls the trigger and puts a bullet right between his head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the special effects are kind of cheesy. It's like, like more of a mark on his head, but it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, he blew his brains out. Well, and, and just to, to salvage Walsh's character, uh, Ramrod was grabbing for his gun and he was kind of like, sort of like sneakily pulling it up. But the whole time I'm like, Ramrod, like he's literally like Walsh is just sitting there with the gun aimed right at his head. You know what I mean? I'm like, Ramrod, what are you doing? He's got you dead to rights, but you know, Ramrod pulls his gun and then boom. Yeah. Walsh just plugs him twice. And I like that. He doesn't plug him once. He plugs him twice. That's what I twice. love. Yep. To make sure he's dead. You got to make sure, baby. You got to. And what, what's cool about this moment is after he shoots him, Walsh like puts his arms out, almost like asking for mercy. Like, uh, yeah. you know, he puts, he, he, it's like, he does like this, um, almost like angel type pose, you know, like he's just asking for forgiveness in a sense mm-hmm. after what he just did. And, that's pretty much the movie. After that, the, it's now cut to daylight, the aftermath. 
uh, Walsh is in the back of a squad car who's been brought over to the, the main kind of location of where all the cops are at. He's got a, like a bloody rag on his arm and he sees the bunny that Princess had uh, got for her daughter. He picks it up to, to bring it to Princess and he walks over to a stretcher and Kowalski is being stretched away. Uh, he's not dead. He's not dead. And he asks if he's going to make it. And yeah. uh, but I like I like that the only response is Mendez saying, if he doesn't, I'm going to kill him. Yeah, if he doesn't, I'm going to kill him. And then from there, he walks over. This is great. It's, it's such a great wrap up, mm-hmm. too, where mm-hmm. they wrap everything up. Uh, from there, he walks over to Princess, who's also alive. She's on a stretcher and he gives her the bunny. And I love this. He gives her the bunny and she's like, it's covered in blood <laughs> like this, you know, and he goes, I'll get you another one. And she goes, I don't know why you do it. She goes, you never, you're never going to change the streets, Walsh. And then Walsh just gets up. Princess gets carted away in the ambulance. And the credits start to roll. And as the camera pans away, you see Walsh getting brought over to an ambulance as well and getting in the ambulance. And cue Wingshauser. The onslaught, baby! Bang, bang! (laughs) Yeah! Dude! Fucking and that is Vice Squad. Fucking Vice Squad, bro. Fade into black. The streets come alive. Wow. Bang, bang. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this movie into my life. It was my pleasure. You know, so there are a few gaffes in this movie, right? It, there, yeah. And, and, and. That is what I do think adds the charm to this film because the story and the movie as a whole is such an intense ride that, you know, it obviously wasn't the intention of the filmmaker to have, you know, uh, gaffes in the film, but it's weirdly it helps it, right? It helps it to make the movie more palatable because this movie is just so, so fucked up on so many levels in a good way, you know? And Wingshauser yeah. is just delivering it. The entire cast is delivering it. I can only imagine Wingshauser's performance was improved, you know, bouncing off of, of season uh, Hubley. Like, it's just like... She's so good that I can only assume that she made everyone else better around her, you know? And the story is awesome. It's fast-paced. It's quick. Dude, seriously, man, I highly recommend this movie to everybody. And, you know, going into this movie, I had no fucking clue what it was even about. But it was so yeah. much fun. And, you know, I mean, it's it's rough. It's hard. But it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch these characters just be explored by such amazing actors, dude. And even, like, the, the side characters, like Kowalski and, and Mendez. Like, I like them. And then, you know, the first time I watched the movie, I thought that tonally it was kind of weird with, like, you know, Mr. Wong being all kung fu-y. But now, after a second time watching it, I was like, no. You needed those moments of levity to fucking lighten shit up because, man, this movie is intense like intense is the best word to describe this film because that's what it is wings hauser's intense fucking season is intense fucking uh walsh is intense dude this movie rocks as listeners to this show know i love my exploitation i love my riding the edge of darkness and uh i think what this movie has where this movie 
has the potential to have repeated viewings is in the fact that it has those lighthearted moments, those silly moments Mm -hmm. and the gaffes that were not intentional. That lightens up the mood where you go, okay, you know, the movie like the, the exterminator where it's just dark throughout and it never lets up and it's, and and then it's over and you're like, okay, (laughs) I survived that. This is like, this is like, I I know I kind of want to watch this again because you, you get to a point where you're as dark as it is, you know, it's just makeup and illusions and, and no one's really getting hurt. And the second time you watch it, you're like, okay, now I can really enjoy mm-hmm. like the acting, the story, uh, the dialogue, uh, Gary Swanson, you know, the so diamond good. in the rough. He's so good. He's such a good like cop actor, dude. Such a cool, like I want to see more Wait, of him. We were robbed. We were robbed by not having a better career from him. Like, yeah, because there's needs, an alternate reality it. where he has a better career and they win because he's in some fucking awesome movies. But we don't have that. No. And, and but fortunately, we have this. Yeah. And I will say the other thing that it has going for it is it it has relatively somewhat of a happy ending. You know, yeah. Granted, uh, the, the last line, you're never going to change anything. And then it just ends that way. But. Uh, you know, the heroes, quote unquote, didn't die and the villains did. So you have a wrap up. You have a nice button on the main for this one night in their life. And I I would easily watch this movie again to the point where, like, the reason I love Boogie Nights so much is the die. I would never say the things that these guys say, these characters say, nor would I want to say the things they say. But it's so, so taboo where I'm just like. Whoa, this is so wild. It is it is wild. It, it is. is a wild ride that I I'm so glad you enjoyed because I fully enjoyed it and I think everybody who has seen this movie would agree and for everybody listening to this episode and wanting to go watch it now you're going to you're going to love it. You're going to love this movie. Yeah, dude, I can I can wholeheartedly say that just just watch it just go check it out i'm sure you can find it on amazon prime or or tubi or something for free you know go check it out and it's like doubly so because i remember when shout factory put this out like a year ago and i was like that cover looks ridiculous whatever that movie is is ridiculous like i didn't even know that you even care like i didn't even know that this movie was going to come into my life and i can remember thinking that looks ridiculous then i'm watching this film and i'm like oh oh my oh my god why is no one talking about this fucking movie man like no one is talking about this film and i hope to god we change that because this movie like i said fucking rocked and all you need to know is that fucking song neon slime you know like like beginning and end it's so good the entire song is so fucking good dude yep this movie rocks i recommend watching it if you have any kind of inkling you you think you maybe remember you like it just go buy the shop factory blu-ray it's worth it. Yeah, there's great extras on it. There's, there's, uh, I think there's an uh, interview with Nick uh, Swanson. There's an interview with the director. Uh, I did not watch any of them, so I can't validate whether they're good or not. But it seems like there's a lot of extras on the the content. But I will say, the picture quality, the transfer is gorgeous. And if anything, it's worth it just to check out 
what 1982 Hollywood looked like. It's worth it for that just the same way that it's worth it to check out um, Exterminator just to see what 1981 New York looks like. And I love that we have these two movies now, dude, that take place pretty much in the same, you know, time. And now we have on the two different cities and we kind of see what they look like. This is so awesome and and but that's just a side thing the the movie itself is so good it's just so good chock full of awesome characters and it's so intense i highly recommend it to everybody i can't sing its praises highly enough it is a fantastic fucking movie well and as i said in the beginning of the episode from this point on you've You've been baptized in the river of the neon slime. Neon slime. Wow. <laughs> Dude. Oh man, we are I'm we're going to rock the shit out of that fucking song. Be sure of it. So, but 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 if you want to hear more fun conversations about movies and specifically their soundtrack and there and usually a song that co- coincides with said movie then why don't you guys do yourself a favor and check out $2 Late Fee. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we uh, $2 Late Fee, we inter- I mean, basically we, we cover a movie and a song and then we end up interviewing an actor from that movie yeah. or performer, someone connected with it the following episode. Um, by the time this episode airs, we will have uh, reviewed No Retreat, No Surrender, the 1986 martial art fun fest uh which featured a song by kevin chalfant kevin chalfant is the he was he took over for steve perry in journey for a little bit Mm. which is crazy and joe satriani plays guitar on the lead song for the movie fun fact it's one of his first gigs who's joe Joe satriani i'm not a music guy you know do you know he was surfing with an alien was his album cover it had silver surfer on it oh Joe Satriani is considered one of the greatest modern rock guitarists of all time. Oh, Roy. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And fun fact, Kevin Shelfont is also the lead singer of a band called 707. And 707 is known for a song that they did for a 1982 movie called Megaforce. <laughs> they Kevin Shelfon is the lead singer for 707, who does Megaforce, the theme song to Megaforce. Can, can, you know, at some point, we're gonna have to do like something Star Star Wars related, so I can just vomit information at you, <laughs> like you vomit at me. I mean, look, yeah, like yeah, when yeah. when I was talking to James on the watch list for the top five, you know, most uh, angry captains movie, I was like, man, Zach's so much. <laughs> It's so much better than me, like at like remembering no. shit. You are the fucking IMDb of the show. You don't even need IMDb, bro. You just fucking like pull information out of your hat. Yeah, no, no, I'm not looking at my phone no. when I say when I find. I know. Shit, so. I'm looking at you. I see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's the way my brain works, but that's why we're perfect for each other because we balance each other we, out. We you do. Know? We do. And I and I wish, like, seriously, like I wish that like I didn't know. That Luke's, you know, gunner on on in the Snowspeeder on Empire Strikes Back's name was Dak Ratlar, but I do. I know his name is Dak Ratlar, and that's a bit of information that I will never get to use at all for the rest of my life. It'll come up. It'll come up. You just need the right avenue for it. Yeah, I know. Listening to your episode, I'm like, 
Oh, captains. I I I I I know a few captains. And, I, I and kind I love of that. feel like you would have done a better job on that episode than I did. I mean, everyone's said everyone's enjoyed the episode, and I had a great time talking with James. But even when I I like did the episode with James, I was like, I feel like Zach would have been a better choice for this than me. <laughs> well, you got to phone me in. Phone me in. Phone <laughs> I me need in. to tag you in next time, buddy. Yeah. But yeah, I gave you a, to- I gave you a week off though. I did give you a week off. Yeah, a week of a week of uh, going down a rabbit hole on research for Vice Squad and uh, <laughs> and movies on Two Dollar Leafy. And I will say, I will say really quick, uh, one of the interviews we just did, we did an interview with Jesse Cove, uh, who is the son of Martin Cove. Martin Cove being Sensei Kreese from uh, Cobra Kai and Karate Kid. Jesse Cove is a rising star, just like we had on our show, Summer of '84. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb Emery. You know, yeah, when we and, and we said Caleb Emery's going to be one of those guys. Years from now, you're going to say, "Oh yeah, I remember when he did that interview for Jesse Cove's the same way. Uh, definitely a rising star in this business, and a really, really super cool dude, and a fan of film. Yeah, and um, just a really nice guy. So that episode is airing apart. We're doing a fun month in March called Martial Arts Madness. <laughs> and just fun, like you know, tributes to our favorite martial art performers and bad action movies. So anyways, yeah, $2 late fee, check us out. Um, Always a good time. Always a good time over there. Well, thank you. Thank you. And and we can find you elsewhere. Uh, you have your other relationship going on with, uh, <laughs> with your Seinfeld, Seinfeld. podcast. Yeah, I, have, I, have right. a, I have a relationship with Seinfeld going on right now. Yeah. Uh, Adam, our, our pal Adam uh, from the Blast from Our Past podcast, him and I are doing uh, Seinfeld. And we are on season six. I think we just hit episode like 90 or something. It's it's wow. insane. It's That's ridiculous. Crazy. I know. It's 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 bonkers. But we're also like covering Curb Your Enthusiasm on on the Cartwright Patreon and everything and uh yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, dude. It's a lot of fun just going through a show that I had seen in order before, but only once. And then after that, I'd seen all in syndication out of order. So it's nice to actually put the pieces packed together while I'm going through it in order. So that's a lot of fun. But as you guys know, we have a lot of fun on the podcast after dark Patreon page. We have a monthly show called wrap up after dark that Zach and I do. That's, it's a lot of, it's a free form show that Zach and I just kind of have fun talking about what we, what we did this for the month and, uh, just kind of like, you know, where this show's going. And it's, 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 it's about us, but it's also about podcasting after dark. So we, we really yep. love that show and we put our bread and butter is interviews after dark. And, uh, uh, that right there is we are, and by we, I mean Zach. You guys know. Zach's the one that handles all the interviews. And we are crushing it right now. We just put in the can Peter Jason. And we also have William Sadler coming soon. We have Sean Whalen. It is bananas. Well, we just we just put in the can um Scott Valentine. Ah, yeah. Well, yep, yep. We have Scott. So, yeah, it's it's weird because we're kind of out of order of when we release them. But, yes. So, Scott Valentine will be coming this month, who you guys all know from Family Ties and My Demon Lover, a movie that I watched the night before we interviewed Scott Valentine and then did not even bring it up during our interview with Scott Valentine. <laughs> There's a reason for that. And if you want to know the reason, just go watch it yourself. <laughs> if you want to know uh, the reason, pay the $3 like I did and go watch it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I will say Scott Valentine. 
Valentine has a, had a pretty prolific uh, voice acting career for, mm-hmm. for a bit and really cool dude. And super uh, deep, nice dude, dude, too. You know, the difference between a lot of the interviews, people often say, like, well, first of all, they're like, how do you guys get these guys? And at this point now, I'm like, just, you know, it, 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 it's not a secret, but, you know, dig a little deeper and be real with these guys. And honestly, the interviews that we do with them are so heartfelt and so genuine and so unique. Um, they really are. Like, some of the stuff they say, they said in other podcasts, but a lot of the stuff they talk about that uh, they've never talked about before. Peter Jason was like, oh, this is so great. I figured you guys would want to ask me about X, Y, and Z. And we want, and I got to talk about stuff I, I actually really liked. You're, you're, like, oh. we, you're like, we were like, no, we just want to hear you fucking play the trumpet with your mouth. Like, like P- the Peter yeah, Jason interview list. was a hoot. It was like talking to your fucking awesome grandpa. I'm not trying to make him sound old, but I mean, let's talk reality. He is he's, he's an older guy, and he was, and he's a grandpa, and he was so fucking nice. So, like, guys and gals, seriously, like, so we, like, so me and Zach and Zach's son's Bodie, Zach's son Bodie, were kind of chatting on on Zoom, like, or a few minutes before, you know, we were supposed to interview, and then Peter Jason just popped on, and <laughs> he started talking to Bodie and everything. I mean, God, dude. Yeah, like really Peter cool. Jason was so fucking cool. So that interview's yeah. coming. William Sadler is coming. William Sadler was so nice. Fucking Scott Valentine, so nice. I can't believe how nice these guys are. They're amazing. And Sean Whalen, so nice. Sean yeah. Whalen, got, so fucking four cool. Big interviews coming up in the next mm-hmm. four months. Yeah. And and uh, Zach Zach is the one that leads them. Zach does a fantastic job. And uh, bro, like you're. Your style is you're just getting better and better every single time you do it. Well, so it's, it's wonderful. So if you. if you guys can check us out, if you can, we know that the economy is wild right now after last yeah. year and everything. So if you can check us out, we're doing a lot of stuff on Patreon. We hope that you check us out. It helps keep the show going. Obviously, I mean, you know, guys, you guys know. All the money goes back into the show. But if you can't spend any money right now, we get it. We totally get it. No harm, no foul. A free way to help us out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. As much as we love Spotify and Podbean and all that kind of stuff, Apple Podcasts is still kind of the best way, the main way for people to find podcasts. It's still the number one podcatcher out there. And with the five-star reviews, we kind of pop up higher on search results. So... We would love it if you guys helped us out financially. We, we we hope that we put on a great show and everything. We want to keep continuing doing it for you guys. But if you can't, we totally understand. And a free way to help the show is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So thank yeah, you. Or go buy a t-shirt on Public. Yes, uh, there you go. We also have t-shirts on Public. You can go to podcastafterdark.com slash merch. You can find them there. That's another way to put money back into the back into the show. I mean, again, we're, we're, we're just we're putting it right back into the show. And that's all we're doing is trying to give you guys awesome fucking content. So thank you for all your support. Thank you for all the five-star reviews you've given us so far. And as we always say on Podcasting After Dark... We'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. 
You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.